Extensive interview with Dennis Pratt from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So if you missed that, you can grab that online, including the after show version, uh, the uncensored after show that we did last night as well. Both of those are together in our podcast from last night. So if you just if you're subscribing to our podcast at feeds.freetalklive.com, you would have just gotten like a three plus three and a half hour long podcast instead of our normal two hour or two and a half hour length. I saw it today, and if you're going to listen to it, that's the way to do it. If you're going to watch the video, it's you know fractured across two videos. You have to get two videos. And yeah. The other way you have you have to watch the radio show part of it, and then the video part or the podcast part. Just yeah. watch the podcast and get all the ones. It's really good. It's really worth listening to. Like, it's the longest interview we've ever done. Yeah, we sat here talking with Dennis Pratt, you, me, and Bonnie yeah. for four and a half hours. I like, suspect that's no how one, much energy there was. I suspect no one in the yeah. He told me he thanked me for having him on uh, last night. He said he actually got a full night's sleep because he was exhausted after. <laughs> it was like the first time he's gotten a full night's sleep in a while because he's been. I working apologized really hard. to him afterwards. Like as soon as I left here, I apologized because I was like, man, I feel I. I I don't know that I was, but I feel like I was too antagonistic. I have nothing but respect for Dennis, yeah. and he does this amazing job of putting Pork Fest together. And I was like, I'm afraid none of that came across in the episode. So I, I also said, said I would mention it tonight. Yeah, well. and I think you said that toward the end. I think you you gave him props and uh, and appreciation, and I think that you did. But it doesn't hurt to say it again. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, but I, I suspect you know no one had their minds changed that was in a studio. But last night, maybe some people listening were influenced one way or another. I, Constance, never who is running the Porcupine Freedom Festival mm-hmm. on the ground, once it's actually started, Dennis organizes it, apparently, but right. once it's actually started, someone else manages it, it, I over. guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's mentioned today that she might call into the show, or she's interested in calling okay. into the show, because she has her own reasons for why RFK should be there and all this other stuff. And you know, Happy to hear him. She also wants to talk about, yeah, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. She also wants to talk about the, the woman issue at Porkfest. Like, where are all the women? And this is, of course, something that I noticed like four years ago, and I tried to start. I always thought there were a fair amount of women at Porkfest. Well, <laughs> there, what's the problem? There are and there aren't. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of the men who come are married, and the women come with, they them, come with them because right. of that. But like as far as single women or women who aren't attached to a, a partner, less likely that those don't married. seem to really exist. And Ladies Night Out a number of years ago, a fork fest was designed to fix that. Mm. And of course, Did it, it didn't work. No. <laughs> that was also the first year that I was like deep in Free Talk Live and other stuff that caused me to get raided and arrested by the FBI like mm-hmm. seven months after that. So I was very, very busy that year and didn't right. put any didn't put energy into Lady Design Out that it really warranted. It was basically just a place for people to go and buy wine, which, you know, was great. Indeed. But we I didn't make any progress toward getting women there. But it was very clear that it was necessary because when I brought this idea up to people, one of the first responses that I got was, Yeah, hey, yeah, you're right. We could get some we can get some prostitutes up here. And like, wait. <laughs> God. Yeah, right. Like when I say we should get women at Pork Fest, your mind should not immediately go to pork f- uh, to prostitutes. And I think the fact that it does and therein is where lies the-, the problem. Exactly. <laughs> mm, yeah. 
But the attempt to fix that went nothing, and apparently this is an issue that she's also noticed and she wants to do something about. I I don't know. I didn't ask her what that was. I was like, yo, you're welcome to call. So maybe she will. Uh, I don't think we introduced ourselves. I'm Ian. Are you? And Mark. Mark's with us from a remote location. And, of course, the phones are open if you want to join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. Do want to say thanks to Dash right up front because I forgot last night during our show. We were just so into uh, the interview that we were doing. So I want to remind you that Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash. It's digital cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending, and it has uh, been one of the longest-running cryptos out there. In fact, 2014 is when Dash started. It had a different name at the time. They rebranded later on as Digital Cash. It's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. And the fees make it something you actually want to use. Unlike Bitcoin, where the fees, last time I looked, I think it was last week, were in the range of $2 per transaction for the median transaction. And that's kind of like your typical uh, transaction. So very, very expensive to use Bitcoin Dash, on the other hand, less than one cent per transaction is fast. It works. It's protected from the 51% attack by their chain locks technology. And uh, you you definitely need to look into Dash if you've never done so. Uh, in fact, the price, uh, lots of crypto prices have been dipping over the last couple of days with the attacks against the cryptocurrency exchanges, which we're going to talk about here shortly. Uh, oh, I it. also have an article from Gensler. Well, it's not from Gensler, but it's about Gensler. And he's like, look, we don't need more digital currency. Uh, we yeah. have the USD. Yeah, I've got that one, too. We'll talk about that. Uh, so you can go grab up a Dash. I think today it dropped below 40 bucks wow. uh, for one Dash. So big thanks to the Dash. Good time to buy. What do you need yeah. all this cryptocurrency for? They're making plenty of dollars. That's basically what he's saying. Uh, big <laughs> thanks to the Dash DAO, their decentralized autonomous organization, the first one in the world, by the way, for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. So, yeah, the big news yesterday that we mentioned at the top of the show, but you know, obviously didn't get into, was that the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission criminal enterprise, is now going after Binance, which is the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange. Don't conf- don't be confused here, folks, uh, because we were talking about a very similar story maybe like a month or a month and a half ago or something, which was a different federal regulatory agency suing Binance. And Why was, was the CFTC suing them? Because I don't remember that was now. The, right. The CFTC, the so-called Commodities Futures Trading Commission, had filed a lawsuit against Binance like um, two months ago or something like that. And uh, basically alleging you guys are, you know, you were you didn't have a license and you're trading commodities or something without our permission. Well, it was the futures that they were futures, upset that's about. It. Yeah, yeah, and like, I don't remember why. Whatever that or, means. Yeah. Um, and so they went after him. And that's like, you know, that was a big deal because Binance is the largest cryptocurrency exchange on the planet by volume. And it dwarfs everything else. They're they're huge. Yeah. And, uh, and Coinbase is second. Coinbase, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Coinbase is second globally, but Coinbase is the biggest in the United States. Okay. Uh, when you don't include Binance, Coinbase right. would be second in the U.S. And now the news has dropped that the SEC has sued Binance as of yesterday. So they've got two suits, two civil suits, accusing them of all kinds of quote wrongdoing. And remember, people, Binance. Not an American company. No, but they do have a U.S. division. They have Binance.us, so they do have a subsidiary that's based uh, in the United States. And, of course, they've been named in uh, the lawsuit from the SEC. 
and then one day later, after they sued Binance, the SEC has finally announced they are now suing Coinbase. We knew they were going oh, to. Oh, yeah, they served them the Wells, Wells notice. notice. So the way the SEC apparently does things is they have to tell you they're going to sue you in advance of actually filing the lawsuit, and that's what the Wells notice is for. That came out, like, I don't know, a couple months ago or something like that. And that's and the most bureaucratic bureaucratic nonsense ever. Yeah. Here's your notice to let you know that I'm giving you a notice <laughs> about a notice that is coming. So uh, we'll start with the Binance story here. The SEC is alleging that Binance has, of course, violated the securities law, which, by the way, was written in the 1930s. Yep. Okay. Completely to irrelevant to today. Right. What we're talking about here is something that they could not have possibly ever imagined cryptocurrency or before the invention even a computer. of the internet. Right. Before the invention of debit cards. Yeah. Any of that. Uh, maybe they had checks back in 1930, but that's about it. So uh, the world's largest crypto exchange, according to Reuters and its CEO Cheng Peng Zhao, operated a web of deception, according to the SEC. Really? That included artificially inflating its trading volumes and diverting customer assets, according to the Securities and Exchange Commission lawsuit. They no, they, that can't be possible. You, they can't inflate their trading volume, except with Monero. They, they could lie about how much Monero they're trading, but everything else is on the blockchain and no, publicly no, available. No, 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 no. What's on the blockchain is their uh, holdings. They do not have the transactions on the blockchain because those are all internal in a, in a database. Oh, that's right. When you, okay. when you yeah, make an exchange right. on a campaign, for listeners, or campaign, exchange, when you exchange on an exchange, uh, you've deposited your cryptocurrency to this centralized control, this, this place where you're, you're not in control of your crypto, right? This violates right. one of the main rules of cryptocurrency, which is not your keys, not your coins. If you don't have control of your cryptocurrency, somebody else does. And if they go out of business, somebody hacks them. Or the loan it to someone like uh, SBF did. Right. Or the government steals it. It's gone. And you'll probably never see uh, pennies on the dollar or whatever. You probably won't get it, ever get it back. So never put your crypto in an exchange for longer than you absolutely have to. Use decentralized exchanges if you can, because then you still contain, uh, in most cases, control over the coins. But when you hand it to... Decentralized exchanges are, are, are largely sort of experimental at this point, right? Decentralized exchanges, you say? Yes. Um, well, no, they, I mean, everything no. is experimental, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no, uh, <laughs> there's no guarantees out there, right? Like, there's always the possibility that code is is broken that there may be uh, bugs or whatever in in code there could be exploits uh so unless you're a programmer and you can go in and actually look at the code and validate it yourself then you still don't really know further you never really know anyway because even if the place is open source you still can't be sure they're running the proper code sure. on their server but i mean but, airswap existed before i even moved to new hampshire from mississippi so that's running on what six and a half seven years maybe eight and that's a decentralized exchange. It's one of the earliest decentralized exchanges. Do they so, still exist? I yeah, they do, but they're like. Is it like an Ethereum only thing? It is Ethereum only. Okay, that, so that was their big hurdle. Right? Yeah, that's but where, I mean, they exist, and so like, how experimental is it? If we can say, no, look, it's been going on for at least eight years now. Yeah, I mean, the I think the top uh, Ethereum or token exchange is Uniswap, and it's very very popular, and they're. I, I mean, they, they compete with the, the centralized exchanges as far as their volumes are concerned. So, I mean, presumably presumably these are organizations who've been vetted properly. There's a lot of people with eyes on the code. 
And I would say at this point, we know that decentralized exchanges are, I would say, you know, in phase two or whatever, like they're not, they're not in beta test uh, anymore. Not all of them. I mean, yeah. there still are some newer technologies that, that that's a may good way be, to put but, it. Uh, it's getting it's getting safer. But that said, you still don't want to put something up that you can't afford to lose. That's a general rule with this this whole crypto experiment. So anyway, so, hmm? let, 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 let me I sure. got another question. Then. Yeah, of course. If this is everyday and common, why haven't the other exchanges, the major exchange exchanges adopted the uh, decentralized aspect of it? Well, because they wouldn't make as much money. And they also okay. like control. It's the same reason like the Free State Project won't become a decentralized autonomous organization, right? Because they, they could, but it would mean losing control over things. Yeah, their model is to uh, make money on every uh, transaction. And, and that, that does happen in a decentralized exchange. But in a decentralized exchange, it's the users of the exchange who are providing the liquidity for the exchange, and they get the fees, now, uh, in the case of a centralized exchange, whenever an exchange happens, the centralized exchange collects 100% of the fees and the users get nothing. It's also so, worth mentioning that if you, a user, and you know, deposit you know, one Bitcoin into your centralized exchange, you're like, I want to sell some of that for Ethereum or for Litecoin mm-hmm. or whatever, then they don't actually have to pay any transaction fee to send that Bitcoin to a wallet and to send the Litecoin to your wallet. All they have to do is go into their spreadsheet and deduct the Bitcoin and add the amount of Litecoin. So they don't have to pay the actual transaction fee that would exist in a decentralized exchange. You're saying the centralized exchange doesn't pay transaction fees for right, every swap. Right, because there's not actually a blockchain yeah. transaction. Whereas on a decentralized exchange, yes, you're right. Every swap does cost whatever the network fees. And uh, so cost. by not having those, it's just money that they're not paying that right. you know, otherwise But they also have to pay for a lot of overhead. They've got a lot of uh, staff. They've got a lot of customer service. They've got all these compliance uh, departments. There's a big cost to running these centralized yeah. exchanges, and they have governments shoving down their uh, their throats. So what the kind of the good side of this SEC continuing attack like they're going after the biggest of the big now they went after the little smaller guys like bitrex and kraken and you know they've they've hit hard on the lower God, it's the, so crazy to think of kraken as one of the lower exchanges yeah I, mean, I know you're right but they've gone after those guys and they've you know gotten their way and now they're going after the biggest of the big binance and coinbase and the good news i think about this is People don't change in general. Like we were talking last night about how people are generally reticent to change. Like it was hard to get free staters to leave Facebook and join Telegram, for instance, uh, just you know to get the Porc- Porcupine Freedom Festival attendees to change a chat app. And it's hard to get people to change financial habits, too. Like if you're used to going to centralized exchanges, that's where the volume is. That's where all the users are. That's where you know it's easy to get swaps done with low uh, low fees. So that's where people go. But if it's going to start freezing accounts and Mm. going out of business and potentially being seized by the government, you're going to start seeing more people looking at uh, aspects like decentralized exchanges as an alternative, looking at things like Uniswap uh, for tokens or now for what they call level one cryptocurrencies, which is like the base level Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, uh, Adam, you know, some of these bigger ones, Binance Smart Chain, there's uh, Tether, a lot of these bigger named uh, cryptos are on ThorChain, for instance. And then there's the new Maya protocol, which has forked. They took the ThorChain code and they did what they're calling a friendly fork where they're working. Competition is great. It's competition, but it's also friendly. They're working with ThorChain because there's still a limit 
You know, in the same way that a centralized exchange has a limit to the amount of people that can be on their servers, yeah. uh, there's a limit on a decentralized exchange to the amount of people that can use that blockchain that is used to make the swaps. So knowing that it, with the idea being that ThorChain, which is the world's kind of first real decentralized exchange where you can swap these level one coins. Uh, That's the amazing development. I, I yeah. did, I'm not sure I ever expected that to actually come to fruition because yeah. it's such a technologically complicated thing and they, they pulled it off and it's been in operation now for a few years um and so the maya protocol people took that and they said well we want to do the same thing uh except change it a little bit we're going to take the code make some changes to it and they're supposedly going to be putting dash into the maya protocol thing pretty soon which will let you know when that uh when that happens but these are definitely some really interesting technologies because you can go to one of these exchanges these decentralized exchanges you do not have to identify yourself. There's no way to identify yourself. Some of them you can sign up with just an email address. There's which, not even a sign-up. Which sign can up. be a throwaway. This is, there's, that's not even that. It's just, oh, really? Okay. You just uh, generate a wallet, and then that's it. You're, okay. You, you, awesome. You're in. Yeah, the only uh, real issue with any of this is that you can't take your USD to the central, decentralized exchanges and turn it into cryptocurrency. Yep. And that's one of the main reasons that the SEC is going and the CFTC and the U.S. government in general is going after these exchanges like Coinbase and Binance. They want to make sure that, hey, here's the exact way that people can get into cryptocurrency. This way we can control it. Yeah, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to, sh- to shut down what you call the on-ramps and the off-ramps. That's why they targeted the people like the Crypto 6, like us, yep. going after the peer to- what they call peer-to-peer exchangers with criminal charges. They're going after Binance and Coinbase with civil cases. Uh, but they're, quote-unquote, charging them. But if they're found right. responsible, they only have to pay millions of dollars. They're not – Cheng Peng Zhao is not going to go – uh, to prison in in this particular case. And to give people an idea of how bad it is, local bitcoins, one of the mm-hmm. longest running peer-to-peer cryptocurrency exchanges, has closed. They closed their doors. Yep, that's local right. after more bitcoins than a decade. Has closed yeah. after a decade, eleven years, or something in in operation. So it's it's an all-out attack on uh, cryptocurrency, and it's really sad for people in the United States. I think it was Coinbase that pointed out in their response video they made today to the lawsuit that. There's over a million jobs that could leave the United States if they, you know, if this this attack on the cryptocurrency industry continues, and there's no reason to think it's going to stop. Uh, and I think that this is this is sort of the unsung aspect of this that many Americans really don't understand is is that whether or not Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency uh, becomes the world reserve currency, and by the way, the United States government has already said that a cryptocurrency is going to become the world reserve currency. So the belief what? that a cryptocurrency, the, the, the CBDC. That's not um, a cryptocurrency. All right. A digital currency. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, and so I think they're di- probably wrong. I mean, they, they can't predict oh, the future any more than the, we can. The dollar's already a digital currency. Yeah, but it's, it's also not really the world's one. reserve currency right now. Yeah, and it's steadily it losing is. that place. It's losing its place. It's losing it's that there. place. But, I mean, you know, the, the guy at the top of the hill is still at the top of the hill um, until now, he's yeah. not. Yeah. And admittedly, somebody's going else is going to be at the top of the hill, but at, I can't tell you who that's going to be. Um, right. I'm, you know, I'm, maybe it's going to be Bitcoin. It's too maybe early it's to going to be the ruble. I have no idea. Well, I have an idea, but and you know, I can make a prediction. And there may be but a BRICS prediction. currency still to come. They uh, there's still talk about BRICS, uh, which of course is 
uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. There's like something like two dozen countries. I think that are Saudi trying. Arabia and other OPEC nations are getting in on it. They're trying to join. I don't think there's been like an announcement on okay. who they're letting in yet or what. But there's a big rush by a bunch of other countries in the world to join BRICS. They're already like 25% of the world's GDP and 50% of the world's population or something like that. It's crazy. I saw st- some statistics about them recently. So, And what's uniting these countries is the literal desire to not have the USD as the reserve currency. That's one of them. Like That's, yeah. the, that's the main thing they want to accomplish here. Right. And um, I don't know how well they're going to do with that. But ultimately, um, you know, the... There, there's going to be a change in this sphere and something's going to happen. So, um, you know, will it be Bitcoin? I don't know whether the answer um, to that or not, but the United States driving away cryptocurrency and that's what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, no, there's no other way to look at this. It's driving away cryptocurrency is aiding and abetting its own enemies is all that would have to happen right now is for Russia to say, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll take the uh, the Bitcoin as our thing or some other nation or the BRICS or, or whatever to take on Bitcoin. And then suddenly the United States overnight is no longer the world leader. And that would be the big change. And it's the Biden administration's fault. Not to say that the Trump administration was doing anything great, but the Biden administration has presided over a witch hunt in the area of cryptocurrency and we as americans should be like embrace this technology well it's very likely that joe biden and the executive branch can't really do anything about it no they could just fire the sec guy Well, not necessarily jeffrey tucker did a speech on this exact topic last year at the porcupine freedom festival there was something passed in like 1860 or 1870 that basically it it gave tenure to some of these bureaucrats where the president could not simply fire them. And I don't remember what the name of that legislation was at the moment, but Jeffrey Tucker did a speech on it last year at at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I'm sure people out there can find it if they want to, but it isn't necessarily true that the president can just fire people. Well, I think you're taking um, the belief that it's all very civilized in Washington, D.C., whereas I will take the belief that um, people who cross the NSA and the CIA wake up dead. Okay. i I don't For know sure. that that has anything to do with what I said, but okay. The CIA, who actually runs the government, not Joe Biden, oh. wanted the SEC chairman gone. He wouldn't draw another breath. Okay, fair enough. But mm-hmm. so don't blame the Biden administration for the situation then, right? I, 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 I think suppose you could send a message to the CIA by getting rid of the Biden administration. I think this would be happening with or without uh, the Biden administration. And I think it would be Could happening be. without this one guy, you know, Gary Gensler. Because, again, I don't know who the guy is that's running the CFTC, but it ain't Gary Gensler. That's somebody else. Right? Point. Uh, the government does not like competition. And crypto is competition they can't control. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes to vote on. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the Treasury. In fact, that's exactly how we got this sponsorship. 
Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first, nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Here on Free Talk Live, it's Ian, Aria, and Mark joining you. And you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. There's a lot of features that are waiting for you there, including our social media platform at social.freetalklive.com. You can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners and some of the hosts on our Mastodon server, which for those of you not familiar, Mastodon is an open source decentralized alternative to the big tech media platforms like Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we run this server, so we set the rules, and we don't have very many of those. So you got a lot more freedom to express yourself. Just don't be spamming and don't be snitching uh, in our server. Those are basically the two rules. And, uh, you know, try to play nice, but you don't have to because you can always just block somebody you don't like or they can block you. And that's the appropriate way to deal with somebody you don't care for. It is indeed. Uh, so check it out over at social.freetalklive.com. Unfortunately, uh, the government doesn't work the same way. They use violence and the threat of violence against the people they don't care for, and they are now attacking Binance and Coinbase, the world's uh, some of the world's largest crypto exchanges. Binance, the world's largest by quite a large margin. Coin, uh, Coinbase, one of the largest, certainly one of the largest, if not second largest in the United States. And or it's the largest if you talk about the ones based in the United States. Coinbase right. would be the the number one there. So they're going after the heavy hitters here with big lawsuits alleging in the case of Binance that Binance had uh, violated securities law by allegedly artificially inflating its trading volumes and diverting customer assets with a web of deception. The agency sued. Binance and its founder, Chengpeng Zhao, for failing to restrict U.S. customers from its platform and misleading investors about its market surveillance controls, as well as for operating an unregistered securities exchange. The SEC's complaint filed in federal court in D.C. also alleged, according to Reuters, that Binance and Zhao secretly control customers' assets, allowing them to co-mingle and divert customer funds. Well, That's of not course. Really secret. Yeah, of course. That's how Bitcoin exchanges operate. You take in the Bitcoin or whatever other crypto we're talking about from the customers. You pool them all into the same place, yep. and you simply track in a database what each customer is supposed to have. That's the efficient way to do things. No one has ever represented that your Bitcoin is separate from anyone else. In fact, you can trace it on the blockchain. When you make a deposit into one of these crypto exchanges, they give you a unique address to deposit. But as soon as it hits that deposit address, they move it into a large address that is their holding wallet. Do they? Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah, that's how they get. That's one of the ways that you can easily identify the crypto exchanges. Some of the uh, the blockchain explorers out there. For listeners that don't know, blockchain is the uh, the distributed ledger technology that backs the cryptocurrencies. 
And uh, most of them are public, with the exception of the privacy coins like Monero. So you can just go in there, and some of them will label addresses. Because normally when you just look at an address, you don't know whose it is. But these exchanges know which addresses Binance is using because right. they don't change that often. And so if your coins get uh, put into a wallet that then jumps into a Binance wallet right after that, then they know that the the initial deposit wallet was also owned by Binance. See, I assumed it was all just like a, an HD wallet sort of thing, which is most crypto wallets, if you send to a wallet, it will automatically generate you a new wallet that is completely connected to mm-hmm. the initial wallet but it has a different public address and it's done this way to help you know keep your privacy and stuff like that i assumed that was what was going on here was just spontaneously generating you an address which it does but that this yeah. was corresponding that. to their private address yeah that, that would have question. been my assumption that may be true i don't know what the tech is behind the scenes but it all ends up in the same wallet yeah. basically uh so anyway they say that uh it's an elaborate scheme to evade U.S. federal securities laws. The SEC alleged that from September of 2019... No, no, no. no they, they literally cannot scheme to do something that they don't know how to do. The <laughs> SEC has not made it clear. They specifically said they would not make it clear how to become compliant because then people would know how to skirt those regulations. So you can't then accuse the SEC of skirting those regulations if you haven't written them because you're worried that someone will figure out how to skirt them. You can't accuse Binance of, of skirting them. What you did said I say? the SEC. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but uh, they also at the same time say the, the opposite, which is that all you have to do is just come on in and register. Come yeah. on in. Have a seat on the couch. We'll sit down. We'll have a chat. You'll I, be all squared away. I think the SEC overplayed their hand on this one, man. I, I think this is one that Coinbase and Binance are going to win because they can prove that they literally tried to do this. Mm. And the SEC was like, no, nah, try again. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting argument. I guess we'll uh, we'll see about that. And we're still waiting to hear on the SEC lawsuit against uh, Ripple, which has been in play yep. for years now. And uh, they're just waiting on the judge to issue the ruling in that case. So all the arguments have been made. And this is one of the, you know, the big... Uh, landmark cases i guess so we're still That's waiting on that but they lost uh or the sec won the case against library lbry.com right. where they claimed that library was a so-called security so i mean and to be fair i don't have much faith in the federal court system however yeah. if there's any decency and reason and sense of morality and logic in this system i know i know there, mm. there may be a, maybe a tiny shred mm. <laughs> then there's just no way the SEC could win this, especially the one against Coinbase, but probably the one against Binance as well. The it's just utter nonsense. Complaint said that in September 2019 through June of 2022, Sigma Chain, a trading firm owned and controlled by Chengpeng Zhao, the CEO of Binance, engaged in wash trading that artificially inflated the trading volume of crypto asset securities on the Binance.us platform. Mark is muted. Oh, sorry about that, Mark. My bad. Now you're not muted. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm curious. One of the things that I'm wondering here is, is the mixing funds thing. Mm-hmm. Is this just exactly what banks do? I mean, yeah. it's not like banks. Well, I'm, if they're saying it's bad, then it's bad that banks do it, too. And I'm just right. curious if this is evil and wrong and Americans need to be protected from it, then why does the government get to do it? Yeah, it's an excellent uh, point. I mean, it's, it's like. You know when the Democrats will say, but Social Security is not a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> but then they can't say why it's not a Ponzi scheme. And the answer is mm-hmm. always, well, because it's the government and they can just print more money. Correct. Well, technically, the government 
doesn't do that. The U.S. banking system and the banks are supposedly separate from the government. Now, I know in real life that's not how it works. But that's, they, they that's one of their arguments. They have a deal, though, right? Yeah. Like, they have a special deal. The Federal Reserve is not the government, quote-unquote, but they work with the government to sell them, uh, to buy all their uh, debt, basically. They have the legal right to counterfeit the USD. That's ultimately what it all comes down to, is that banks that are part of the Federal Reserve system have the legal authority to counterfeit the USD. But it's not counterfeiting when they do it. In right. the same way that it's not murder when the cops kill you, yep. and it's not you know uh, commingling funds when the banks do it, right? So <laughs> uh, anyway, fun they- little game they had. And I got into an argument with someone, not really an online argument because I try not to engage in these anymore. But someone said something to the effect of, "No, we we have to work within the system, you know, in order to in order to make any progress. Libertarians have to you know get elected on the system. Look, no, man." You're playing a game that you know is rigged against you, Mm -hmm. where the person controlling the outcome of the game is heavily invested in winning the game, and they are controlling the rules that allow them to win the game. The only thing you can do is stop playing the game. It's rigged, man, and you know it's rigged. They're playing with loaded dice, and you know that. It's stupid to continue playing that game that you know is designed for you to lose. Now, wait a minute. You've run for, uh, for sheriff. Yeah, but not because I wanted to go in there and be sheriff and, like, change things, right? But you would have. Probably, but that that would have been a fluke if I had gotten elected, <laughs> right? Like, someone who wants to go in as a sheriff and, like, not... I'm not saying don't get elected, especially for local offices. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the national, the presidential election in particular in this case, and okay. that's the most futile one. Okay, I'll agree with you there. Some of the others, yeah. like, uh, state reps here in New Hampshire, they can have a profound impact. I mean, because I would love it if we could just walk away from the system and it would just destroy itself, but that's not going to happen. No, I think uh, a more direct approach to destroying the system is necessary. Something like cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. civil disobedience, these sorts of things. I think those are the most effective ways of destroying the system rather than, you know, trying to run for it president or whatever i don't think the cryptocurrency mm-hmm. is attempting to destroy the system i think cryptocurrency is opting out of the system that yeah but if um, we don't participate just... then the system is destroyed well not if you you i and ian don't uh, participate if you mm-hmm. i and ian don't participate we have simply opted out and we don't get to control sadly um, even all the people that listen to Free Talk Live, the you know quarter million people that will listen to Free Talk Live this week, will not listen, will not think to themselves, well, I wonder what Mark wants us to do. <laughs> so I just think of things that I can do, and then I recommend those things uh, to my listener in the hopes that they can do the same thing. And my recommendation would be use cryptocurrency as much as you can in order to opt out of a system that is rigged against you. Like, forget about all the other extra things about it. It's rigged to that you have to give your wealth whenever they feel like it to the bankers and the big corporations. But I repeat myself um, that that's what this whole thing's about. Now, when you use that currency, I would go so far as to say you are playing a game, a game that increases your uh, convenience but increases your chance of having it devalued at the same time. Whereas if you use cryptocurrency, yeah, it's a little more inconvenient, but your value be preserved. So good luck playing this game, but understand that you are playing a game. That whenever you move, 
voluntarily from USD to cryptocurrency, you know, I'm talking about the major ones here, uh, then you are have a better chance of preserving your wealth. And there's still a chance that somehow they could come and, you know, blow a hole in the bottom of the ship. I don't know. And you've got to kind of, you know, you got to spread things out. And that's what sure. I, I mean, obviously. Out. Right. But the point of the don't play the game analogy is that it's it's simple and easy to understand. You know, when, when you add all these things to it and add all these technicalities, it takes, you know, three minutes to explain instead of 10 seconds. Well, the system is going to fail. Yeah. Okay, it's it's designed to fail. They always that's, do. That's what centralized uh, bank money is designed to do. Right. Like every one of them in history has failed. Might have taken some time. Might have taken generations. And in fact, this one's been going for uh, 50 years, roughly, I think, at this point, without any backing. And then, you know, it's been 100 plus years since the Federal Reserve started. So, you know, maybe we're getting to the end of this particular run. But you, you can look back in history. This is what central banks do. They, they print money until uh, it's devalued to the point where people are sick of it. And then a new scam comes uh, comes in to, uh, to take its place. So and people fall for it every – just like the Venezuelans allow yeah. their government to just chop off zeros every once in a while. The Americans – Well, that's the thing. They don't have another option until cryptocurrency. And that, that's why I kind, of, I kind of agree with Mark on this one in that you know, by getting out of the U.S. dollar and not, and not getting into other fiat, but going in, not into other government monies, but going into things like – Gold backs, gold and silver, cryptocurrency, these other alternatives where you can actually control your funds, uh, that is a way of opting out of a system that will fail. Will that hasten its failure? I think that's a good question. I I think that if there were massive opt-outs, I think that might hasten its its failure. But at this rate, we're not seeing massive opt-outs. You're not going to likely see people making these decisions until things start to heat up. So there was like some polling recently that was done about, you know, if hyperinflation hits, what will you do? And you'll starve. Said, That's what you'll do. If you're not prepared, you will starve. People said they would buy gold or whatever at that it point. It will be too late. It's, that's the thing. It's too <laughs> late, right? You know, I mean, it's never too late, but it, it's you should get it before the hyperinflation hits rather than when it hits. But that's the thing. People. This goes back to what we were talking about before. People are slow to change. They only make those changes when life really pushes them into it. So until it starts to get to double-digit inflation or you know twenty percent inflation, people aren't going to think about getting out of the dollar. People, there has to be something crazy. to motivate them. Just to protect yourself, you don't have to get out in a in a massive way. Just good lord, ten dollars a week in gold or silver could literally keep you and your family alive yeah, in the near future. And this is, um, but, but what we have to understand is, is that there's different types of folks. So uh, I think the number is currently 60% of Americans cannot put their hands on $1,500. One paycheck. Right. Yeah, because about yeah. 60% are living paycheck to paycheck. One paycheck separates Americans from financial hardship. 60% mm-hmm. of Americans from financial hardship. Yep. So now we're just dealing with 40% of the population. So that means 40% of the population. I don't know what the percentage of them that is two paychecks from financial hardship. But, you know, some some percentage, and my guess is that percentage is, well, let's say five paychecks. Five paychecks mm-hmm. from financial hardship um, that there is oh, probably th- th- the another 30%. So like 10% yeah, of Americans. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if there's ever been a survey on that. 
Yeah, I don't know because yeah. most people are just like they're just gobstopped at the first. I suspect uh, it's a. I suspect the gap is a lot bigger, and that like you're either living paycheck to paycheck, or you probably have you know a year's worth of money saved up that you could subsist on. I, I suspect I it goes straight from no money saved to a a decent cushion. We're all just speculating here, yeah. so uh, yeah, so we don't know. I. I, I don't know, and, and it'd be interesting you know, like to see just, something with a tear breakdown. Because, like, if you can save twenty dollars out of each paycheck, and you've been working for twenty years or whatever, then that's a decent nest nest egg. See, the thing is, got. I don't believe that there are there's anybody out there. There's very there's very few people out there living paycheck to paycheck that still couldn't find twenty dollars if they really wanted to, right? Because how many well, of the even paycheck a crack to paycheck can find money? That's for what crack. I'm saying. How much of the paycheck to paycheck people are spending a good chunk of their paycheck on beer at the end of the week? Sure. You know, or cigarettes or, you know, junk food at McDonald's, you know, whatever it is that there's probably areas are going to start. You're not always going to get warning um, that you need that uh, extra money that you blow every paycheck. So you could, whatever that financial hardship is, could hit on day 12 of a 14 day pay period. And that's true, but it's a mindset issue, right? They don't. They know that something could come up, and they don't know what it what it is, but they know that they could get a flat tire or you know, someone could uh, siphon all the gas out of their vehicle, and they literally don't put leg. any money back. Well, that that's a major thing, right? They sure. don't put even $20 aside. They will right. spend every single penny that they have and then just hope that nothing is going to come up. That's That's the issue. Uh, so if you want to comment on all this, feel free to weigh in. The number is 603-283-6160. We're talking about the SEC attacking Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange. Uh, go I got one more, one more comment on the idea of living paycheck to paycheck. Money isn't freedom. Money is money, and that's different than freedom. But having money, being able to survive X number of paychecks into the future that's kind of the definition of wealth. Mm-hmm. So wealth is the ability to live, you know, whatever, however wealthy you are is how long can you live under the current conditions, um, you know, without having to work, without having to make more money. And I'll admit this isn't the easiest scenario to put together. Like, like holding dollars doesn't work, especially right now when they're devaluing them somewhere between five and 10%. Um, but, you got to hold something to hold your wealth. I recommend a diverse portfolio because something's probably going to work, whether it's gold or bonds or Bitcoin or whatever it is. I recommend, you know, that sort of thing. But um, you are sacrificing your freedom. You're giving it to them. They, them, and those. Uh, those mamma jammas out there. You're giving your freedom to them, whether it's your boss um, the corporation, the big corporation you work for, whether it's the, um, you know, the bankers that you have all kinds of loans to, you know, the credit card companies, again, um, bankers, you know, who, whoever it is that you're giving your freedom to, that's what you're choosing to do when you carry long-term debt and when you do these things. I made this decision long ago, long before I was holding a great deal of Bitcoin, you know, a lot of uh, value in Bitcoin or anything like that. I made the decision I was going to get out of debt. And we did. And we did it on a middle class income. You can do it. 
All right. Uh, Mark is not a financial advisor. That is not financial advice, but that's just what he would do in, uh, in his. What do you think is uh, questionable about it? I don't know. Just making a disclaimer. Yep. Uh, so the number here is it's legally important. Yeah, 603-283-6160. Given how these people are, they will sue at the drop of a hat. Anyway, the uh, Binance attack continues here from Yahoo Finance and Reuters. Binance, uh, according to Gary Gensler, the SEC chairman, the uh, top attack dog over there. And to give you, this dude is affecting an entire industry that, again, employs millions of people, or at least a million-ish people in the United mm-hmm. States. No one elected this guy. That's no, the definition right. <laughs> of, a, of a tyranny, right? We, we live in the society where this one guy can affect the lives of a million people, not to mention all the people who use cryptocurrency and the, you know, Jeremy Kaufman at library and all of the, uh, the people at Ripple, yep. just millions upon millions of people having their lives directly impacted, sometimes destroyed yep. by this guy, completely unelected, completely unaccounted. You can't replace this guy in 2024. Even if you survive the attack, you will be poorer as a result. Yep. You will, uh, you know, in, case, in library's case, they're going to go out of business. The library corporation is is done for. And the SEC won't be poorer. They, they're the government. Nope. They cannot run out of money. That's right. So they have nothing at risk and you have everything at risk. You will lose something. Even if you don't, even if you win, quote unquote, the lawsuit. And no will, one wins when the government comes after you. You will it's still pay how for much the you attorneys. Lose. You'll still pay for the, you'll still pay for the time. You'll still lose all that time, as uh, Jeremy Kaufman pointed out from Library. He has been unable to develop the software that he that he created, that he helped uh, to develop, that he loves. He can't focus. You can't focus on doing anything for your business when you're focused on defending against an attack from the government. And they know this. They know yeah. that even if they're uh, even if they lose, as you predicted, you, you hope they're going to lose the Coinbase and uh, the Binance attacks, uh, the, it's no skin off the SEC's back, and it's a huge distraction to the cryptocurrency industry. And more importantly, it's an intimidation factor because there's a lot of companies out there who have cut and run over what the uh, SEC has already done. Whether or not they're going to win or not, these companies are like, I don't want to be involved in this. I and can't say I blame them. They're like, I'm out. I'm not going to hire 15 attorneys. Uh, we'll just close business in the United States and go international. And that's what Bittrex uh, is doing. But of course, there's, or there's people out there anyway. with brilliant ideas that they that you know would thrive and make the economy better or make the world better. But they're looking around. They're like, no, the SEC Too would scary. just sue me yeah. into oblivion. So Binance, uh, according to SEC Chairman Gary Gensler, he says, We allege that Zhao and Binance, entities engaged in an extensive web of deception, conflicts of interest, lack of disclosure, and calculated evasion of the law. Binance didn't immediately respond in a tweet. I calculate that you're an immoral monster. Jaina, Jaina said and if you Binance, have any sense of decency, you would hang yourself tonight. <laughs> what issue a response once it has reviewed the complaint? Uh, their currency, which is the fourth in the world by market size, dropped more than 5% on the news. Bitcoin also dropped. Uh, I mean, every crypto essentially dropped on the news that Bitcoin's back. being sued. Yeah, and then it came back. Then it came back after they sued Coinbase. So, so you never really know what's uh, what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, every day I open Google and it's like, you know, Bitcoin's on the decline. Bitcoin's crashing or whatever. And you look at the price and it's like still exactly where it's at or pretty much exactly where it's at. Hovering around the $27,000 mark. And the, that's what happened recently. Like, oh, Bitcoin's crashing. It's it's dying again. And then it's right back to where it was 24 hours later. 
Uh, they do a quick recap here on the CFTC, Commodities Futures Trading Commission, attack from March against Binance, where they alleged that uh, Binance was a legal exchange and a, a sham compliance program. Uh, and then apparently the Justice Department is also investigating Binance for suspected money laundering and sanctions violations. Remember when the banks got caught um, laundering all kinds of money for the drug for the cartels? The drug dealers, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And the United States and British governments did nothing? No, I think Wells Fargo had to pay like $4 billion in fines. That sounds about right. They just wash their hands of it. Gensler is making it clear here when he's like, look, we don't need any more cryptocurrencies. We don't need a war reserve currency. We have the USD. Oh, yeah, we'll whatever. get to that. Yeah. He's making it very, very clear that all of his actions here, all of the government's actions, the SEC, the CFTC, they're all directed toward one exact thing, and that's propping up the USD and protecting it from the competition posed Correct. by cryptocurrency. That's his motivation here. Yep. And that is so unspeakably evil. That's why I say he should hang himself. He's propping up the most evil regime in the history of humanity. That's his job. Yes. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. So they went after Binance yesterday. Today the news dropped. They're going after Coinbase. As you pointed out, Gensler's out there saying, hey, we don't need any of these cryptos. All we need is the dollar and the other world currencies from the other governments of the world. That's good enough, right? Uh, more coming up here. Hour number two is next. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program here. Phones are open if you want to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian and Aria and Mark. Joining you here tonight. Uh, if you want to help out the Crypto 6 case, I am the last one to be facing sentencing, and we are still accepting letters to the judge. You can go to letters.freetalklive.com to get an address there and, and some tips, some suggestions on how you might want to structure uh, a letter. It's something that might have an effect. Uh, it's hard to be particularly optimistic considering that uh, Arya ended up with 18 months. I was hoping that you would get time served and, you know, some uh, some probation. So the idea, that he's, the idea that he's going to go less on me than he did you seems pretty ridiculous. But, you know, it still doesn't it's not hurt. not impossible. It doesn't hurt to ask. It doesn't hurt to... Uh, I mean, there are more reasons, like... They- you're more engaged in public service and the radio show and things like that yeah. than, I don't know. But I also have a criminal record. and uh, you know, for civil disobedience. Yeah, still, they don't care about that. 
You know, it's just, oh, okay. <laughs> he violated the law, therefore bad. Uh, but if you want to help me out, if I've done done something of value to you in your life, uh, then please, you can go to letters.freetalklive.com and you can write a letter to the judge in the Crypto 6 case. As we continue here, we've been talking about the SEC and its continuing attacks against the cryptocurrency industry, which is part of a larger federal government-wide attack against the cryptocurrency industry. The Crypto 6, Aria, me, nobody, and three of our uh, other friends who were arrested in 2021 over what they call peer-to-peer sales. So there's like the uh, FBI, quote-unquote, Justice Department ongoing attacks against peer-to-peer sellers. We're not the only ones. We're... right. Six in a long line of peer-to-peer people that have been attacked. Uh, And then, of course, the SEC going after these companies, the exchanges, the developers. you got the CFTC now bringing a lawsuit against Binance. And then today, the SEC announced, uh, I guess they filed it. They already announced they were going to attack Coinbase a couple of months ago. And then the case has been now filed, apparently, against Coinbase, according to Reuters, Uh, The largest U.S. cryptocurrency platform has been accused of operating illegally because it failed to register as an exchange, which, of course, there's no way to do. That's all they being charged. They're being charged with not registering. I I suspect it's more than that here. Uh, the lawsuit is the SEC's second in two days, as we discussed in the first hour. The, this They have got to chill out. It could not possibly be clearer that they're trying to strangle the cryptocurrency industry. I, I don't know why Congress and you know the president what they, aren't using whatever means are at their disposal to rein this stuff in until they can get a handle on it. Well, presumably this they're doing crazy. it at their behest. But um, maybe, but he was also brought in recently and like grilled by some of the members of Congress. Like that's just a show. Th- this seems to be a completely out of control, though. It's yeah. like this guy's just going crazy and suing everything and everyone. He's doing it at somebody's behest. Somebody's told him to, right? Like we that's- we live in a world where it's very um, it, it's very executive uh, heavy. And this is what the founders were concerned with. They had just come from an executive heavy system where they had a king and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, Jefferson's saying that, you know, t- uh, that that power tends to concentrate. And this is true within government, too. Right. It's a lot easier for the executive, the one who wields the sword to have power rather than the legislative branch. The legislative branch has never, to my knowledge, made one law about cryptocurrency they haven't said a thing about cryptocurrency there is no guidance from the people the representatives of the people Mm -hmm. on cryptocurrency this is just the guy with the sword or a whole bunch of guys with swords running amok enforcing laws from a hundred years ago and calling it justice yep that's that's literally what's going on it's absolutely outrageous and uh, unfortunately there's no there's no defense against this because it's like how do you uh, how do you apply these rules when you have no idea how they apply when Coinbase has pointed out and I am not a Coinbase fan. No, okay? I hate Coinbase. I'm not a Binance fan either. I don't care for any of these centralized exchanges, but I'm still on their side on this because the government's even worse. And but the problem, of course, with Coinbase is from the beginning they've been trying to be the government's bed buddy. 
they've been trying yep. to cozy up to them and say, oh, just tell us what to do. We're here to help. We just they want to li- do it. They literally wanted to write the regulations. And they, they did. They made this clear. They wanted to form this sort of cartel yep. with themselves and Kraken and some other major exchanges so they could write out the rules. That They, they wanted to call it a, a white book or something no, like that. No, no, no. You're talking about the white hat uh, group or whatever. That, that that was years ago. That was before Kraken even existed. That was... Well, it was, uh, it was Coinbase was ago. behind it still. They, they were. And um, what they wanted to do... They, and. That's just one example in a long line of yeah. things they've done where they've made it clear that they want to use the government as a weapon to keep themselves from having competition. Yeah, they've complained in their statements, and I haven't read the full statement they've released, but I've read their previous ones about this, and that they'd gone to the SEC, they'd asked for the guidance, they'd asked for the rules, what do we got to do, tell us what to do, and there was no answer from the SEC. But yet, yeah. whenever and the is, SEC goes after one of these companies, they always issue a statement saying, hey, look, all you got to do is come in and talk to us. We'll take care of it. And then, and that's not possible. And it's not just Coinbase who said this. The it's SEC refused to meet with Coinbase last year when that's Coinbase right. sent some representatives to Washington. Yep. Everyone but as, the SEC met with them. As antithetical as, as it is to libertarian ideas, I think that the case of places like Coinbase and Binance is stronger than it is for, say, folks like you and Aria, where you guys are like, we have rights, we were born with them, and we will operate as though that is true. We have the right to buy things and sell things, and we will um, operate within our rights. Whereas these people went hat in hand and said, hey, we just want to know what to do. I know you don't have any rules, so we'll write the rules for you. Mm-hmm. And still, the SEC says that they, they violated the rules somehow. There are no rules to right. violate. Yeah, that they're literally trying to shoehorn cryptocurrency into, like you said, 90-plus-year-old uh, rules here. So... The civil case, and even if they're not using that one for the criminal rulings, right? They're using the the anti money laundering thing that was written after nine eleven, mm-hmm. uh, which is from two thousand one, twenty two year old. the The most recent regulation they have that they're applying to cryptocurrency is more than twenty years old. Yep, that's insane. Uh, the cases Before, are the the iPhone wasn't even invented then. That's right. That's how far back we're talking about. The cases are an attack against the industry, which Gensler has labeled the Wild West today and has undermined investor trust in U.S. capital markets, he claims. Quote, the whole business model is built on a noncompliance with the U.S. securities laws, and we're asking them to come into compliance. There's that word again. Compliance? No, asking. (laughs) When I ask you to do something for me, Aria... It doesn't come with a suggestion that I'm going to point a gun at you if you say no. If I ask Thank you goodness. to come in and sub- substitute for me on a Thursday night or something like that, it doesn't mean that I'm going to kidnap your dog if you say no. It's just an ask. Right. The government loves to use these terms. And a lot of the times the media uses the term, even when the government's never asking for anything, they're threatening. Lap dog. The lapdog media, absolutely. They're not asking, okay? When, when no, they please. take you to court... And they're trying to bankrupt you and trying to make you pay millions of dollars to do what they quote unquote ask. That's proof that they're not just asking, they're telling, they're demanding, and they're threatening you. And if you don't do what they say, they may put you in a prison cell. Well, it's the difference between a leader and a ruler, right? Where they're they're pretending like they're leaders, like they're 
Like they're not violent rulers who mm-hmm. are looking to, you know, use violence against people. No, but a leader sets an example. Are. Right. A leader shows the way and then people follow voluntarily. That's not what's going on here. No, and that that will never be what goes on with the government because the government doesn't have to lead. They don't have to provide a good reason. They don't have to provide justification. They don't have to lead by example because they have the guns pointed at our heads saying, obey or we'll hurt you. You don't need to be a good person. You don't need to be an example when you have violence upon which you can rely. Crypto companies say the SEC's rules are unclear and the agency is overreaching and trying to regulate them. Coinbase suffered about $1.28 billion in customer outflows following the lawsuit, according to initial estimates from a data firm called Nansen. So I guess they're watching their uh, Coinbase wallets and seeing how much is going out. Paul Grewal, the general counsel for Coinbase, in a statement said the company will continue operating as usual and has, quote, demonstrated commitment to compliance, unquote. Ten U.S. states also accused Coinbase of securities law violations concerning its staking rewards program, which is what we thought that the SEC was going to go after. In its complaint filed in Manhattan federal court, the SEC said Coinbase has since at least 2019 made billions of dollars by operating as a middleman on crypto transactions while evading disclosure requirements meant to protect investors. The what S- are those disclosure requirements? God knows. The staking thing is it's fascinating to me because like that's that's almost brilliant if you can get away with it as a cryptocurrency exchange. Hey, buy your crypto from us, and then it's like a proof of stake coin, like black mm-hmm. coin or whatever. Right. And then you just hold these customers' funds for them because you're a centralized exchange. But you don't just hold them. You stake them as well. So Correct. you're literally making you know interest effectively off of your customers' money. Yep, and you give them a cut, and you keep right. a cut for, for the exchange. And this all seems completely fine to me. I don't have an issue with it, but it's absolutely does. brilliant. There was a very brief period in my life where I staked Blackcoin. I ended up do- not doing it because my internet... I lived in Mississippi, so my internet wasn't mm-hmm. as reliable as it, as it should have been for you know staking cryptocurrency. But the idea is that you have this cryptocurrency that you're not using. Mm-hmm. And you use it to secure the network by staking it. It's not important what that means on a technical level, but it's like you're putting up your money out there and that lets people know that, hey, this money exists, it's usable, it's stable, and it's backed up by this money that Aria or the listener whoever put out there. And for doing that, you'll receive like one black coin a year or one coin, whatever, whatever it, it is. is. 3%, and, 10%, yeah, 6%, it's, whatever. It's almost literally free money, except you can't use it. So there is a cost and that it's not liquid. It's tied up in this one thing. But it's right. it's a really good method of securing a blockchain network, as far as I can tell. Well, There's the a- SEC is now calling that a security. Yeah, that's, that's insane. why they went after Kraken. Well, everything's a security to them. That's right. That, even Binance USD, which is a stable coin, they're saying is a security. But you can't make money off of a stable coin. I know. Right. A stable, a stable coin should be, in theory, backed $1 for $1. That's right. So we, there's no way to make money on it. You're just putting a dollar up, and then somebody right. would then come and claim that dollar in the future. I don't know what their argument is. Maybe the argument is that, well, in theory— you got the guns. It, well, that is obviously it. But maybe in theory, if Binance was being dishonest and not actually backing the Binance USD with actual dollars or dollar equivalents. Well, that would just make them like a bank. Then it could go down in value and therefore customers could lose their value. So security, but it's just absolutely ridiculous. They're saying that the uh, Coinbase exchange traded at least 13 crypto assets that the SEC considers to be securities. And that should have been registered, including Solana, Cardano and Polygon. They also mentioned Dash on that list. Yeah, it was a long list. Because they're, uh, they're just 
they're throwing darts at a dartboard with random cryptocurrencies labeled on it. Yep, that one's that one's. It's whatever they com- want. Yeah, that's the only justification I can see for this is they're just drawing cryptocurrency names out of a hat and saying this one's a security, <laughs> that one's a security. Founded in Coinbase, Coin uh, founded in 2012, Coinbase recently served more than 108 million customers and ended March with 130 billion of customer crypto assets and funds on its balance sheet. So it is a big business. In the Staking Rewards Program, which has about 3.5 million customers, Coinbase pools crypto assets and uses them to support activity on the blockchain and then provides rewards. The SEC lawsuit six, uh, seeks civil fines. And so they're bringing up the Staking Rewards Program, but they didn't say specifically here that the lawsuit is targeting it. I presume that means that the lawsuit is targeting the staking program but I have not actually right. – uh, I think it's a very poorly written article here because it's not clear the allegations that the SEC is making. But well, they that, well, give, that chat, give chat GBT, uh, PGT or whatever uh, uh, a little while to get better at these things, Ian. What is – oh, you're suggesting they had chat GPT write the article. Oh, they don't employ uh, – no one's hired a journalist in a year. <laughs> no, it's all freelance. Uh, you simply can't ignore the rules because you don't like them, said the SEC enforcement chief Gerbir Grawal. We, they don't. We don't know the rules, man. <laughs> right. Coinbase has been clear about this. If you tell them the rules, they will obey them. But you won't tell them the rules. You just say, "Ah, oh, you broke them." And there's this secret list of rules that you have hidden in your back office that you're accusing people of breaking, and the courts, for whatever godless reason, are going along with this. Yeah, I wish I had a better breakdown of what the the suit is actually alleging. Maybe we can find that later. But uh, this Gary Gensler appeared apparently on CNBC recently, the story from blockworks.co. The fact that any media organization allows government employees on to explain themselves is just absolutely disgusting. Your job is to hold these people accountable, not give them a microphone. Yeah, well, that's the way it was supposed to be, but it didn't turn out that way. It turns out that media companies, large and small will always try to curry favor with government agencies because they won't talk to them otherwise. And they feel like, like this even happens with like just a local talk station where they'll have the police chief will come in for an hour on Fridays or once Ugh. a month or something like that. And it's like, or ask the mayor, you know, that, that kind of thing. And if they don't kowtow to those people, if they don't give them softball questions, then they won't get the mayor back. The well, mayor they, won't you don't come need the mayor then, station. do you? I agree. Instead, I agree. make an issue about the fact that the mayor won't come on the show unless yeah. he only has softball questions. What is this guy hiding? What is he scared of mm-hmm. if he won't talk to the press unless he's agreed in advance what they will ask? I don't disagree with what you guys are saying. I mean, what you're saying is correct. There is another a- aspect to it. That other aspect is that everything's so red team, blue team out there that if you... Um, as a journalist, try to hold a seated politician's feet to the fire, then you are a um, brain-numbed libtard or a conservadroid or whatever the hell these uh, terminologies are that they uh, say to people that are intended to stop conversation and hold people responsible. Right now, um, it's you, you see DeSantis and Trump going back and forth and whatever you've got to say about the two candidates, DeSantis is undeniably a more conservative candidate than Trump is. But the well, Trumpers all- are acting like. 
Yeah, this is all easy to fix, right? I mean, yes, if you're a media organization and you criticize Trump, people will call you a libtard or whatever. But the, the solution to this is really easy, and it's to end our obsession with social media. That's sort of nonsense. It, it only really came about with the rise of social media, and it only happens on social media. I've never seen in person someone else call someone else a libtard because they didn't like Donald Trump. I've only ever seen that sort of toxic behavior on social media. I guess I've seen some in emails, but uh, yeah, I, I get your point. But again, um, I like to have solutions for people that I can implement myself in my own life. And all I can do is kind of get off social media or stick on Free Talk Live social media or use social media that uh, has some higher level of responsibility than others. Um, you know, whatever my choice is at any given moment, that's all I can do. People are going to do what they do. And my presence doesn't appear. I mean, I've, I've been off of Facebook for a full year. Congrats. And no one, I, I don't mean I have been since uh, 365 days ago, but I have taken a, a full year break from uh, Facebook before. And no one said, hey, welcome back, Mark. <laughs> you know, no one said, no one noticed my absence. Therefore, right. my right. absence would have had no effect that I could, no quantifiable effect. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. It depends on how you're trying to measure it. But like Facebook is very much on the decline. Its user base is on the decline. Its usage is on the decline. The company as a whole is on the decline. Good riddance. So you not using it, it does contribute to that. I see the same thing happening on uh, Instagram. Basically, people want to turn it into Facebook. Um, it's the same they, company. They want to make they well they uh, but the but the users want to be able to argue about politics. Oh God, they want to do that, Jeez. and it's not as good of a system for that. No. It's not as uh, as good of a platform for it. But that's still what they want. That's all social media is. That's annoying. It's it's people arguing with one another. It's toxic. It's horrible. I, I've pretty much completely stopped scrolling social media at all. Wow. And my life has never been better, right? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I pay I try to pay some attention to these things that are happening just in case they could affect me, but all of the crap about people fighting over trans people or fighting over DeSantis or Trump or you know, calling everyone groomers and just oh, all the drama, annoying. it's been completely removed from my life. Nice. And that could be the case for everyone if you just stopped scrolling Twitter and Facebook and started you know, interacting with people directly. Or read a book or something like that. I've also been doing a lot more reading lately. Uh, so I did, by the way, I found the actual press release here from the SEC regarding Coinbase. And yes, uh, the article did not mention it, but it's right here. Coinbase is, quote, uh, charged with operating as an unregistered securities exchange broker and clearing agency and also charged for the unregistered offer and sale of securities in connection with its staking as a service program. So, yes, they did go after uh, Coinbase staking, which is what we predicted that they were going to do after they went after Kraken for it. And the yep. difference between the two is Kraken said, all right. Here's $30 million. We'll shut it down for U.S. users. You win. Here you go. See ya. Uh, That's the stakes that these people are playing at, where they're like, yeah. $30 million, fine, cut the check, cost That's of it. doing business. They didn't want, they, Kraken said, and Kraken is, you know, of the U.S.-based exchanges, they seem to be the, the most libertarian, and by that I mean the guy that runs the place 
is an unabashed libertarian. Oh, he is. And uh, he says some hardcore stuff. He does. He does. I got to give him credit. I mean, they still follow all the stupid rules. They still jump through all the dumb, dumb government hoops, but that's what they got to do to not have the FBI raid their it's offices. It's like Elon Musk said about Twitter and the request that you know they get for government censorship or whatever. It's like, what do, you, what do you want us to do, guys? We either shut down or we comply. Yeah, or they murder you and shoot yeah. your dog. Uh, so, you know, in this case, we knew that was going to happen, but what Kraken essentially said was, look, we don't know how much this is going to cost us if we go to court, but there's a good chance it's going to be more than $30 million. So here you go. And they just walked away from it and they shut down their staking as a service program. Coinbase made a comment at that time and they said, well, at Coinbase, we do staking differently. Our staking (laughs) service is special and uh, we will vigorously defend and so good for them i mean i'm glad to see that they're going to fight it out i mean this is sort of Uh, what happens when you get libertarians who want to play ball with the system because they care more about money than they do about principles mm -hmm. and that system ultimately turns against them where some part of them is like no we have to fight this right that's ingrained in them even though they wanted to exploit the system and use it for their own benefit these guys, they still were at one point libertarians. The Coinbase people, I don't know. I about thought they that. were Brian Armstrong. Is he? I have no I thought idea. He was. Is he? Well, I think that I don't. Uh, yeah, it depends on what you guys call libertarian. But Brian Armstrong is a libertarian. I don't think he okay. is necessarily a voluntarist or an anarcho-capitalist gotcha. Gotcha. or whatever terminology one wishes to use. But so, he sold out and decided he wanted to exploit the system for his own benefit, for the benefit of his company. And I, I would say that's immoral, but it didn't necessarily stop him from being a libertarian. And now that that libertarian core of resisting and arguing, and saying, "No, I'm not going to comply with this," is burgeoning to the surface. Yep, I am glad to see them fighting it. How it's going to go, only time will tell, and that may be years before this thing gets snakes its way through the slow federal courts. Uh, but we got more coming up, including the comments from Gensler about why it is we don't need any of these cryptocurrencies. We've got the dollar. And I know you had that story, too, so we'll get to it coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. And joining you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. Aria. And Mark. And Mark is here with us as well from a remote location in Florida. But also uh, a different Mark. I want to let you know about Mark Warden and the crew over at Porcupine Real Estate. We've talked a lot about the migration of liberty-minded people uh, coming up here to New Hampshire. And if you're thinking about joining it, then uh, great. That's fantastic. If you love liberty, if you're an actual libertarian, a voluntarist, a liberty-loving anarchist, you should be here. This is the libertarian homeland, as Jeremy Kaufman from Library has put it. But you got to find a home if you're going to be in the homeland. So yep. Porcupine Real Estate can help you with that. Uh, just go to move.freetalklive.com. And you can get signed up for their upcoming webinars on various different topics, everything from gun freedom to medical freedom, political freedom victories, best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. They're going to cover those things. And some of those things they've already covered. Uh, You can go and look at their past webinars by going to their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate. You can watch them there. But it's better to attend an upcoming one so you can ask your own questions and get help directly from the experts on moving to New Hampshire as a liberty-minded activist. 
or somebody that just loves freedom, uh, go to move.freetalklive.com. That's our web URL, but it takes you to the Porcupine Real Estate site on the sign-up page. And once again, it's free to attend these uh, webinars, and they're very, very informative. So once again, that's move.freetalklive.com. Let's go to somebody who's here in New Hampshire. He's Dave Ridley, and we'll continue the discussion about the SEC here in moments. Uh, Ridley from uh, RidleyReport.com. Go ahead, Dave. You know, something happened back around January, uh, or no, I guess around November, that just kind of passed me by. And I don't know, do you guys know much about the death of Sharon Clark? I think she was a New Hampshire liberty activist or a free stater. Oh, is this the young woman? I believe she was 33, according to Legacy.org. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard something about her. She had moved up to Grafton or something like that, right? And then some. I don't know much else. Legacy.com, I mean. Yeah, usually yeah, when people move her. to Grafton, they kind of they kind of disappear, and so I don't Why know. Why is that? Uh, it's just because it's way out in the middle of the woods, and okay. it just seems to be the kind of place where people go to not be seen, you okay. know? Fair enough. Uh, but I don't know. Is that where she was living? Legacy.com says, quote, uh, Clark Sharon Ann, 33, late of Grafton NH, was found deceased in her home Oof. on November 20th, 2022, unquote. There really isn't a lot of other useful information that I see in that post. Why do you ask about it? Well, I just, I think it's, to me it's a, you know, it is or at least should be a big deal whenever a free stater dies. There aren't that many of us. Mm-hmm. Um, the the post doesn't say much. There is another post uh, on I'll oh, say the town of Grafton had something up about her on January 4th of 2022, I guess about 10 months before she died, it indicated that she was trying to build a tiny house or get permission to build a tiny house. Right. And someone was trying to stop her. Oh, man. Yeah. Somebody said something about a Sharon recently in a chat room. I'm sorry. I, I, and then they linked to her or whatever, and I apologize. I just don't know much about her. You know? Jeez, uh, I guess this is the second suspicious death in Grafton surrounding sort of zoning and building disputes, right? Oh, um, right, right. There was an activist, John Conley, who uh, Connell, was— John Connell. Yeah. Thank you. Um, who was, you know, very early on and, and like a brother to many of us. Uh, he was the founder of the Peaceful Assembly Church in Grafton, which had an actual church building that caught fire while he was in it. And he perished uh, in presumably due to smoke inhalation, but it's not, you know, I don't know what the autopsy ended up showing in that case. Very, very it's sad. Awful. Very, very sad case. He was, it actually, was all sort of secretive. They wouldn't tell us what the autopsy said. He was also um, uh, one of the inspirations for the Shire Free Church, the peaceful, his church, the Peaceful Assembly Church, uh, and his, you know, message of forgiveness. He was a, a real advocate for forgiveness and awesome. uh, really went a long way i think to uh, inspire a lot of people so yeah i know know a lot about john and his his story but not so much about this uh, this young woman obviously very very young in her early 30s to just be found dead in her home uh you have to wonder what uh, what went on there legacy.com also has a picture of her uh and uh there were also two at least two other deaths of free staters in grafton since 2004 they were kind of old age deaths of uh, Bob, uh, Bob Hole and uh, Lloyd Danforth. Hole was not that old, though, and I, I, I would have expected to still be talking to him two, ten years from now. So it is, it is kind of disturbing, you know. It, 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 people like to say that Grafton is a 
not a, a good, um, it doesn't speak well for us as liberty activists. And uh, there have been other incidents. And it just, I, you know, I lived there for about six months. I liked it. It seemed okay. But it seemed like there's like a curse on the place. Or something. It's kind of, kind of big love. I mean, people die. And the more free yeah. staters that, you know, come here, the, the more, more often they're going to die. Yeah. So it's just yeah, sort of it also, expected. Yeah, partly, it's just, partly it's just an indication of the large number of free staters that are there. Yeah, I think. I remember one guy, he had a rock fall on him. He was working in his backyard or whatever. There was like a big boulder or something that he was working underneath, and it it shifted or something, and he got crushed to death. Uh, And then there was another guy in uh, Winchester that uh, I think he had a heart attack or something while he was driving a fairly large truck and just went off the road and crashed the the truck and perished because of that. So, yeah, I mean, there's a a long list, sadly, of uh, people who have— who have died over the years, and then we've had thousands of people move. So you know, some small percentage of them are are going to go in an in an unfortunate manner. Sadly, my best my best guess is there there are about sixty probably free staters that live in Grafton, which is a town of roughly twelve hundred. We did some we ran some statistics, you know, maybe seven years ago. I I just put out a request saying, hey, someone look into this. Do you think we're dying at an unusual rate, or our you know our young young free staters are dying quicker than they should be? Is there something we should be is there some conspiracy going on or here? But the, st- the statistics that, that someone else ran indicated that we do have a pretty normal death rate for the number of people that we have. So you estimate kind of, sixty free staters in Grafton. You said that's twelve hundred. I, I, I would guess so. Yeah, it was about forty last time I really counted, and that was probably five. Or Man, six we don't years. have that's that many. Yeah, we don't even Keen have that many here. Like yeah, twenty times that size. Well, they don't all show themselves. You know, they don't okay, all uh, come out to different events or whatever. I did find um, somebody reporting the death. Well, I think of, that Grafton is unequivocally uh, has more free staters than than Keene. I mean, uh, Keene has it sounds like lost it. many. Uh, free staters over throughout the year. Well, Grafton lost a bunch too because they just went there and disappeared. Uh, but uh, Sharon Clark, according to David Freeman, who posted about this, she lived off the grid apparently without electricity, and it is believed he said that carbon monoxide poisoning was what ended her life. So mm-hmm. it's possible. Gotta get a carbon monoxide. They cost five bucks, people. Yeah, it's possible she didn't have a detector or something like that and went peacefully. That was uh, if that was the case, uh, and then of course there's also Greg Serby who was found in a ditch, if I recall correctly, in I don't know if it was Nashua, but somewhere in that area. He was long an attendee of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, well-known activist. I believe he was a free stater. Uh, I don't think he was a native, and he uh, he is probably the most mysterious death of uh, of all of them because there's no one's really sure how he ended up where where he ended up like there's never been a real good explanation for that and he was i mean it's never good if someone's like found in a ditch right? yeah That's, he was not known to be into any kind of like you know uh illegal culture or you know dealing drugs or something like that so that's uh that's always been a mystery did you ever hear anything about that one ridley well the, the thing that i know about that one which is was kind of a, yeah i guess something i knew that other people didn't know was i knew him fairly well back in the you know the 2010 era and i think in 2008 roughly he took me aside uh at, at i was at a uh, murphy's tap room and i've called in about this before and posted about it but uh, we were at a, Mur- a tap room tuesday meeting i think and in roughly 2008 he took me aside and he said listen i have been um uh, ordered to attend an FBI interview or lose my security clearance. He works somewhere with a security clearance. Hmm. And I've been ordered not to tell anyone about it. 
but I'm telling you in case anything happens to me. Okay. Uh, so if anything ever happens to me, you go public with the fact that I was questioned. How, by how the long FBI. was this before he turned up dead? Well, many years. Okay. It was probably what uh, it would have been about 12, 12 or thirteen years hmm. before. But <clears throat> anyway, he um, then he then he took me aside, you know, a few weeks later and said, "Okay, I had the interview. Here's how it went." And so anyway, I just in 2021 when i guess when he died i went ahead and just wrote down everything that i remembered from these conversations but uh i I couldn't remember whether or not i had maybe interviewed him on camera about it just to keep the thing lying around in case something anything happened to him but i don't think i did i never could i went back through my archives i never could find such an interview so i must not have conducted one it's so long ago but I, i i don't remember conducting one and and in my archives indicates that I didn't. I just haven't happened to, happened to go on memory. But if you go to forum.shiresociety.com, then you can find the post that, that, where I wrote down everything I could think of in 2021 after I heard about his death. Well, if, uh, if this is one reason why that we need to keep recruiting people to move to New Hampshire. I mean, the fact is we're going to lose some, some people over time. And, uh, and as we've talked about, a lot of, uh, a lot of people in the United States – are not replacing themselves. There's uh, people. The I think the average family is having like 1.7 or 1.8 kids. I'm not bringing any like children that. to the Free State yeah, Project. Me neither. So. Me neither. So we definitely need to keep recruiting uh, people who have the liberty mindset to come here and uh, and get active. So Ridley, anything else you want to share tonight? Well, just to be clear with Greg, I'm not. I do not have any suspicions about the FBI on this. I do not think that their conversation with him was linked to his death. It was so many years in between. Mm-hmm. I was just going through by rote what he asked me to do if he ever died. Right. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Ridley, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Ricky's on the line in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian, Brother What's Mark, Sister Aria. Good What's evening. on your mind? Well, this past Saturday, you know, you posed the question to me, if it were to be arranged, would I go on a date with Sarah from New Mexico? And at the time I said, no, I don't know. But I gave it some thought, you know. Okay. I gave it Hold some on, thought. I, what and was your know? answer at the time? Because I didn't hear that. He said no. Okay. I don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, but I've given it some thought, and the answer is yes, and I wanted to say really? why. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, I've, I heard Sarah's call from the very beginning. I mean, I know plenty about Sarah, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, I'm thinking I, I didn't listen it. Saturday, so I, how did this come up? I don't remember. Is, does Sarah announce that she's newly single? Question. That's all, Aria. And I know, but why? I don't right? remember. I think Probably they were both... going back to 2018. I think he, he brought her up or something. It was some, somehow she got brought oh, up. God. 2017, he was saying that we probably... He was trying to kind of hook us up. I remember on Skype, and that's how we ended up talking together. Do you think you could save her? Do you think that if you dated, uh, you could, like, change her from being a communist? Well, you know, I think I'd have a good impact on her. And, you know, you you got the confederate. (laughs) So to speak. I understand her. You know, I'm not going to try to change her, but I'll give her some ideas. And here's what I'm thinking, you know. I mean, I know she loves the buses. I mean, I could could go on a bus ride together. Huh? You could go on a bus ride with her. Well, no, no, I can't. I can't have the buses here. I'm banned for life. Now, if I uh, may continue, just go down to you New know, Mexico. I'm figuring, you know, uh, you know, I could, you know, with a little conversation, some good food, we bum mm-hmm. around. Pennsylvania is known for their friendliness, so I think that'll be good for her. Plus, she'll be with me, and I'm a gentleman with honor. I mean, if she's not cool with my studio apartment, I'll spring for her. Yeah, she's in a townhouse. Place. 
She's uh, huh? she'd be, that's kind of a downgrade for her because right now she's in a townhouse, Ricky. So I don't know. Well, all I need is well, I don't give a crap. I'll just get a, a hotel room. You know, I got the money. She's a life on SSI. She ain't got nothing. You know, so that's fine. But here's what I'm thinking. I think you've given you this know? way more thought than Ian ever anticipated when he asked the question. I want to know how many people Ian has successfully managed to match make for. How many couples oh, I think, I exist think right now be, that Ian uh, put together? There actually was somebody who came up to me. I think it was at Porkfest or no, it might have been Liberty Forum. Uh, who like thanked me for connecting somehow this person with their wife and that they listened to Free Talk Live. I don't even remember how it happened, but they basically thanked me for like having a kid together or something. And it was kind of weird, but well, I was like, okay, cool. Hitch. Here's the only hitch, Ian. Because I'm banned for life, I'd be like picking her up at the bus terminal on a cab because I use cabs. I don't know how she'd feel about that. I yeah, just get a nice cab or something, a limo. That yeah, hopefully she's cool with that. And everything would be on Ricky from the Commonwealth. It'd be a live vacation. And it'd be there's no better right. place for her to visit because Pennsylvania is known for their friendliness. It's Believe too bad me, she's not on hold right now. I mean, it's I a mean, damn It sounds shame. like Ricky wants this, right? It does sound like he's really put some I thought into this. Because dead, yes. I've gone out with all kinds of different girls in my life. And I think it'll be good for Sarah. You right. know? Well, I'll I'm ask her, Ricky, for you when she... When she calls in tonight, we'll find out what she says about it. Because she does have a... Well, here's you know, one thing I'll tell house. you. Just so she... Well, forget that. If she's not comfortable, I can get us a nice hotel room, you know? Isn't that a little presumptuous? Like. I mean... <laughs> a bit, yeah. <laughs> that you're presuming We're that this... all adults here, and let's be serious. Come <laughs> it would have two beds in it. I'm a gentleman. There you go. All right. Now, but here's that... the thing, though. One thing I'll tell you yeah. how I look, what I look like, just so she knows. And I've been oh told my God. This... <laughs> Recently, I've been told that I look like in the face. I look like early Neil Diamond when I'm clean shaven, like I am now. Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't you have a beard, like long hair? Well, last yeah, time? I had a Van Dyke back, and mm-hmm. I had the, like Club Masters on in that picture from Skype. You know, what are you weighing in at these days? Now. What's your height and weight? Oh well, I need to lose a couple pounds. I was just—I should be one eighty-five. I'm like two. 222. I got to lose. I'll have weight loss by then, you know, because I'm working on that. I mean, I'm, I lost some height because I got curvature in the spine, unfortunately. Ooh, okay. So now I'm down to five foot eight from five foot ten. I'm a little Uh-oh. disappointed. Okay. All right. What are you doing to do the, I mean, how are you going to lose the weight? Are you working out? What are you doing? Uh, just cutting down. And I'm going to be toning up and working out. I remember when cutting I was down. Jail, well, cutting I was down. Cutting down on what? I was like a monster. I was doing 500 push-ups, sit-ups. What are you, what are you, cutting, down, what are you cutting down on? Are you cutting down on alcohol, uh, sweets? No, just like on carbs and things okay. like that, my snacks. And it'll go crazy here, quick. Ian. I lost some already. <laughs> you know? And I'm going to look good. I mean, you know, and I mean, right. I think it'll be really a good experience for her. And I'll Are you willing it. to uh, buy her plane tickets so she can fly up to, to see you? Well, I was going to just give her the Greyhound. Okay, she there you go. That's, that's an right. option. There you go. All right, it's romantic. Well, she does like the bus. She does. Right? That's what he's doing. He knows. He knows. He's he knows his target. All right, Ricky. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate. It. We'll let, we'll let her know and we'll see what she says. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, thanks. like I said, you know, hopefully she doesn't, you know, freak out because I know all about it, but she never listens to the damn show. She says that's true. Yeah, she doesn't know you from Adam. That's a good point. Thanks you for know, the call, Ricky. I'm, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I was not prepared for any of that. <laughs> Let's continue here. We got this guy, our gal, anonymous caller. You're on hey, free talk. Here's line. what I'm going to say is, is that you, you don't on, have anonymous. any idea until you ask. 
That's true. You got to ask. You know, you're never going to get a yes unless you ask the question. Uh, Anonymous, you're on the line here. What's up? How you guys doing, Mark and Aria? What's on your mind tonight? Hey, uh, yeah, it was Bobby from Florida. Hey, dude. Um, I don't. I'm tired of Ricky the Clown with you. Know what's going on? But Aria, he knows that Sarah is mine. I don't know why he's Uh-oh. creeping up on my stuff and coming into my territory when I've been trying to talk to Sarah, <laughs> I don't know, for six or seven years. And now he's stepping up, coming to me. He knows that's mine. Oh because if it's been six or seven years, it sounds cameras. like somebody's, somebody else Tommy. ought to take a shot. <laughs> I mean, this is not fair. Why can't I get the hookup? You guys hooking, hooking up for Ricky. For, I'm cooler than Ricky. I like Aria. I don't dead name Aria. And then he gets all the love, guys. I mean, the show's mm. kicking tonight. Show is kicking tonight. But, you know, what about the hookup with Sarah? What about me, guy? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, you know, it's too bad that Sarah doesn't have an email address. Otherwise, she could just have all kinds of potential male suitors in her inbox. But she doesn't even know, you know how to work I, an email. I wish, I wish she would have an OnlyFans or something like that. I mean, <laughs> I, I would, I'd be right on it. No. Thanks. Um, I was talking about the free state. For five the bucks, he don't have an OnlyFans for you. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I heard all, I've I listened to all the drama. I know all the stuff. I can't stand that Matrix chat room. Everybody in there is a troll. They hate on everybody. Yeah, yeah, Bonnie's true. trying in there and trying to trying to talk, and then everybody's ganging up on her. And then and then if you talk to anybody else, it's just it's just a troll fest in that Matrix. It is. It always but has been, though. Man, that's, always, that's always been yeah, true. Pre, Pre-Matrix, it's, it was still a troll fest in the Discord. Pre-Discord, it was a troll yeah. fest in the IRC room. Okay, so as long as we've had a chat room... It's been a troll zone. That's just reality. The Discord was better, though. The Discord, you guys got to admit, was better. No. Way better than that Matrix. Nah, not really. Uh, I enjoyed nah, it. I, it was, it I liked funner. it. I thought it was a lot funner. But uh, with all that said, you know, I, 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 know I love no, wait. this show. The Matrix and... is better because uh, with the Matrix, you can create your own room. And so if you go to no, chat.freetalklive.com. Well, I mean, that's an important thing. If you go to chat.freetalk. Hold on, Bobby. If you go to chat.freetalklive.com, there's step-by-step instructions there as to how to get on the server. You do have to you know, jump through a few hoops. You've got to sign up for an account and all that. Uh, but it is uh, better because if you are sick and tired of the on-air now chat, then just go roll up your own chat room. And then you're the administrator of that chat room, and it doesn't matter what trolls come in there. If you don't want that troll in there, you can just ban them out the uh, the chat room or whatever. Now, of course, they probably just get a new account and come back in if they really want to. But you could also make your chat room private if you wanted, and then only invite the people you want into the private room. And that would make it a lot easier to have control over who can come in. So if you want to make a public room, you can do that. If you want to make a private room, you can do that. If you want it encrypted, it can be encrypted or it can be completely unencrypted and searchable. So you actually have total control over how that's done. On the Discord, we were the ones who had to set what the rooms were. It was all top down. And I think that's the most I think that's one of the most key differences between them. Is Discord slick? Yeah, they got some slick features. It's corporate. It's you know, their their audio chats better than what they have on a matrix it's got its it's got its perks but ultimately if they don't like you if they get a hair up their butt uh then they're gonna shut you down and that's what they did to our server so i got you know and we knew that was gonna probably happen at at some point so uh what else bobby um well i do miss that discord but um you know i i I love this show and you know i know i talked to you before now i'm gonna keep calling and i love listening I miss nobody and has been in for a couple of weeks. You he's expected to come happened. back in a couple of weeks. Uh, so he's supposed to be back in New Hampshire on the 14th. For listeners that don't know, his mother had a stroke. She's in her 90s. Oh. 
Uh, she had a stroke, and uh, she did recover, as I understand it, from that. I, I, I have not heard any further bad news. So uh, the last I heard was good news. And so, you know, he's spending some time with the with the folks out there, and then he's coming back this month. He wants to be back in time for uh, Fork Fest and, and the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So he'll be coming back to New Hampshire, going straight to Rogers Campground, and I expect we'll have him back on the air sometime uh, toward the end of the month. All right, well, Fork that's Fest. Great because I, sure. I really love I really love Beer Talk Live on Saturday night after the Saturday night show at ten thirty. Nobody will will do a show with Captain Kickbutt and 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 Mister Mister Mountaineer, and they're really they're really good, especially yep. nobody. I wish I wish uh, Chris could get in there, Mister Penguin. No, he, he doesn't have I a beard. I, I love that. He'd guy. have to do this. He'd have to I use know. the strap on. <laughs> Uh, in order to do that. Hey, thank you for the call, Bobby. I appreciate the comments and the compliments. Beard Talk Live, by the way, a lot of people really liking that show. That's good. Uh, They got themselves T-shirts now, which you can buy on Amazon. Just search for Beard Talk Live and stickers. Captain Kickass had stickers uh, that he went out and had manufactured. He's going to have like a whole roll of those things at uh, Pork Fest and Fork Fest. He'll be giving those away to fans of the show. So if you're going to be there, definitely... Definitely come see him. He's also going to premiere his new uh, music tracks at ForkFest. I believe the last night, uh, Sunday night of ForkFest, which is the 18th of June, he's going to have like a listening premiere party. I don't know where that's going to be. Maybe at the Free Talk Live tent, I think. Uh, so that's should, mention be it. cool. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think he did tell me where it was, but it might not have been. Anyway, if you're at ForkFest, you'll probably find out uh, where it is. Just hop into the chat rooms, and I believe people will be sharing what's going on. In there, you can get connected to those rooms and such by going to forkfest.party. And if you know, if you're frustrated with the, uh, the the Free State Project and the Porcupine Freedom Festival, there is the alternative, which is Forkfest, and it's happening from the 15th through the 18th. We didn't really talk about it much last night. I don't think at all, really. I don't think uh, it ever. While came we were up. talking about the Porcupine Freedom Festival, we've been promoting both events uh, because they are a great combination. If you're coming up to one or both, if you can stay for both, stay for both. Uh, but if you know if you don't can't afford going to the Porcupine Freedom Festival because it is a sold out uh, campground and the tickets are you know, hundred bucks or something like that for the week, Forkfest there is no ticket price. It is a decentralized alternative. Uh, nobody is in charge of Forkfest, so you know if there's something going on you, you don't know like, one. No one. That's a good point. Yeah, nobody. Uh, <laughs> uh, if there's something going on there that you don't like, you just don't attend it. Yep. And it's that simple. There's no nothing Here to protest. I try to play the game. I try not to play the game with uh, Rich Paul's dumb uh, pseudonym there, and I still end up having to do it because it's <laughs> it, it's an ambiguation and a problem. It's fun, Mark. Have fun with it's it. It's fun to be confused. Yes, that's why we play the Onion Radio news during our uh, <laughs> during our breaks. <laughs> on Free Talk Live's live stream. Uh, and that'll be coming up, too, by the way, if you're listening on our live streams over at freetalklive.com, lrn.fm. Uh, we got more on the way with the radio show. we got one more hour to go here, and, of course, plenty of time for you if you want to join us. 603-283-6160. That's coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you can join the show. 603-283-6160. We're kicking off the third hour. And we have time for you if you want to join us. So it's in 603-283-6160. It's Ian, Aria, and Mark joining you tonight. You can join us online, of course, at freetalklive.com, where we have many features, and they are free for you. I do want to say big thanks to the decentralized organization over at Dash. 
Dash is a cryptocurrency that is focused on actually being useful, on actually being spendable in the marketplace. And they have accomplished that task, and they continue to focus on that with their decentralized autonomous organization, the world's first, by the way, nowadays in crypto. Decentralized autonomous organizations, or DAOs, are everywhere. They're very popular. There's, you know, I don't know, a dime a dozen. They're very, very um, successful. Some of them haven't worked out. But the Dash one was the first one on the planet, and uh, it's working great. In fact, the way it works is every time uh, the blocks are mined onto the blockchain, which, as we explained earlier, the blockchain is the decentralized ledger. That is the list of all transactions that have ever occurred since the very beginning of Dash. Uh, when those blocks are mined, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury, basically. And then the Dash masternodes can vote on how to spend that money. Essentially, anybody who has one Dash, which right now is worth around $40, uh, one Dash, you put up a proposal that can do virtually anything. So you put the proposal forward. The masternodes vet those proposals. They're going to ask some questions. They might ask some really sure. tough questions. Uh, and then they will vote on those proposals at the, by the end of the month. And if enough people, enough masternodes vote in favor of it, it passes. And then that could do all kinds of different things for uh, for Dash, like doing advertising, uh, developing new features and things like that. So Dash did it first with their decentralized autonomous organization, and they did a great job with it. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies, by the way. It's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And again, thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org and learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. Let's go. She's here now. Sarah is on the line in New Mexico. Now, Sarah, we know you're not a listener of Free Talk Live. You are exclusively a caller to the show, which makes you kind of an unusual character. And I and I don't want this to sound like we're just going to be a matchmaking company for our listeners because I think that would be pretty boring. Uh, but in, I think Sarah's a special case. Oh, and, she's special. Yes, she's very special. She calls every night uh, on the show. You're breathing a little heavily there, Sarah, in, into the phone. You got her all worked up. And uh, there is there have been two gentlemen. I just want to let you know there have been two uh-huh. gentlemen suitors who have called the show tonight, potential suitors for you, uh, that have called the show. One of them is Ricky in Pennsylvania. He's a man in his 50s. He is uh, partially blind, uh, but also a very regular caller. Also, Means you don't have to do makeup. Also, <laughs> <laughs> also a, uh, a, a nightly caller pretty much every night. So that's something you guys have in common. And He's also put together a date package, which includes a bus ride to Pennsylvania. That's right. Yep. He's willing to buy you the bus ticket up to uh, PA to, to come see him. He said uh, he's willing to get a hotel room, you know, if it goes that far. With two beds. Yep. To, and then pick you up, uh, you know, in, in a cab of some sort to take you to presumably some kind of a restaurant. So any uh, thoughts? You know I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm very quite flattered. But, well, we're not done yet, what? Sarah. I, Did I miss something? Well, there's Bobby from Florida. Oh, Bobby from Florida. But yeah, I mean, Ricky called first, so I wanted to put that one out there. But Ricky's, I mean, Bobby has wanted her longer. So, so he says. To be fair. <laughs> and But we don't these, know how. These guys are arguing about you, Sarah. 
I mean, well, listen, I'm already with somebody, Kana. I'm already living with somebody. I'm not interested in looking for anybody else. Well, the good news you know then, because I mean? Bobby, to to satisfy Bobby, you don't have to get involved. All you have to do is make an OnlyFans <laughs> and sell him well, pictures of your feet. I'm not involved with my life, and I'm not going to go uh, trouble on the bus or running around. No, you don't have to do that, sir. All you, have to do, all you have to do is like send this guy some pictures of your feet every once in a while, and he'll give you money. The money rolls in. It's okay. I, I, yeah, but I then she'd have, have to report that, that to the energy. government. If she makes too yeah, much money, I, I then she loses the welfare. I don't have to be worried about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I got, I got things I got to worry about. She would have like, to figure out how to create an email account before she could get an OnlyFans. So, I mean, that's probably that is true. A, it's probably a too but high of a mountain a fan, to, uh, to climb there. Bobby could create the OnlyFans apparently, for apparently you. Apparently, you've got a couple. You just have to supply it with content. Mm. Well, I, I'm more angry about this. How about this? We you don't know, care about that. Weaken the power of our mayor in Albuquerque. I, I, for what reason? This bothers you? What? She just the blew off Ricky and Bobby. I mean, power. without even a dismissal. Because she wants to blow the mayor. Apparently, yeah. Well, the That's what turns not, her I on. Like power. Oh, you're right. Yeah. No, they want to. So they they want to for every. A ballot measure. I mean, no, every every decision making. The mayor is going to be part of the counselors, so it's going to make them ten. And this so bothers you? It makes it into a tie, and, and they're not talking about a tie breaker. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a tie breaker. It's going to be exactly five, and another five that opposes it. It's going to be just gridlock, gridlock. So you're gridlock. saying the mayor? No, no, Sarah. How often does your city council actually gridlock? It can't be very well, common. Well, I mean, it, it goes really, um, it's only nine, so I don't think they, they can't gridlock. Okay. Mm. Well, they could, they could gridlock if one of the uh, counselors sure. was absent. How often are they r- roughly evenly split on a thing? Because I know how city councils work. It's usually like four to one or nine yeah, to one yeah. or eight to one it or, happens, eight, or seven it to two or whatever. In Keene, um, the mayor is a tie-breaking vote. So that's the way it works here in Keene, New Hampshire, where if the council, which, makes is, more norm- sense. which is normally 15, but there's usually one or two that aren't there just because yeah. you know, people don't show up sometimes. So sometimes it can be a tie, a tie vote because of that, and the mayor would then cast the tie-breaking vote. So what is the power of the mayor right now, Sarah, and what are they proposing to do that would disempower the mayor? Well, um, he, just, he just wants to show him up uh, for for like ribbon cutting and mm-hmm. he has to be he's going to be come become like one of the counselors. So you're saying he has no bill. vote right now. But no, he would be no. given a vote if this proposal passes? Right. right now, That's not giving him less or... power. That's giving him more power, right. Sarah. Well, the, all he can do is just vote right now. But if it makes it to his death, he could veto or pass it. He He's can like still do that. Oh, he has a like veto? A he, has a, he has veto ability? Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's correct. Right right now, he's, a, and he's he an would, executive. And he would lose that ability in this proposal? That's correct. I see. Correct. Okay. And then I the see. whole, the, what gets me mad is I am so baffled. I am so confused. And they're going to stick this to the Albuquerque voters. This is completely. Oh, and you don't like, like the voters amazing. because they voted to get rid of the red light cameras. No, the voters. Okay, what voters? What little people that we do show up to vote? We're so confused. I'm confused. I have no idea what. Tell me about it. Wanting us to vote for. So okay? Sarah, so Sarah, take that. everything you just said and please explain to me why I should be happy that you vote. 
Well, that's what I'm talking about. So why why are they gonna make all these complicated, um, like a very very un people don't understand what pros and cons about anything, and they're gonna dump this onto the voters. When well, usually, as vote. you pointed out, Sarah, in a <sighs> municipal election, it is actually the most, um, I would say, the most with it voters that show up because the average Joe Blow that's just like. I want to vote for Trump or Biden, you know, and then that's the only reason they show up at a, an election. I honestly you know. think I felt a blood vessel burst in my head with Sarah's inability <laughs> to answer the question. Well, anyway, uh, the people that vote in a municipal election, it's a very small okay. number. It's usually like 10 percent or less. And these are the people that pay attention for the most part. These are actually the most informed voters. Uh, these are the people who are aware of who the candidates are in many well, cases. That's, I mean, they say, but it's really relative, I think. And I think right. for Sheriff showed that. that the, 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 I'm talking about municipal elections. Well, this was Sheriff a county was a well, countywide election. So what election. Ari is saying is, is that the voters are essentially the winner of the gold medal at the Special Olympics. Yeah, more or less. I think the, the well-informed, well-connected voters that we saw, especially like during the primary campaign as well, mm-hmm. uh, they're ignorant. I mean, they, they but, may be slightly, the that, that they may be slightly better informed okay, than the average enough. voter, but it's very, very slight. Okay, okay, so you're, so you're right. Maybe they pay much. with local elections, so they make the local laws, so people pay more attention to what the local counselors and what they're doing in their city. Yes, and that, that's why they made the mayor's election so important because he had the like an executive power. Mm-hmm. He could veto, and so people showed up. They paid it. They they show up in mass numbers to. Vote in the mail because they're critical. Ignorant, confused people who don't know left from right showed up to vote, right? Well, that's the whole thing. Is that that correct? So they're up to something. Well, I think they're they're deceptive. people that are trying to pass. How can she know how stupid the average voter is and then be like, "This is a good thing"? I don't understand, Sarah. Wait, she's not saying this is a good thing. You choose. You vote for it against Uh, voting in general being a good thing. So, Sarah, so I take it you're going to vote against this proposed change, right? Well, you know, you know something. I, I think I'm going to I'm going to keep it the way it is. That was the reason why we have this uh, strong mayor in the first place in 1974. It was set up. How would you guys vote? How would you guys vote on this if you had this proposal to essentially strip the mayor of his veto or signing powers or whatever and make him essentially right? into the city councilor that runs the meetings? Uh, you know, what, what do you guys think about that? I think that this is uh, like, I, yes, absolutely. Let's move that deck chair over here on this sinking ship. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. This is my opinion on the subject is that, um, you know, that I've lived in towns with strong mayors and I've lived in towns with weak mayors and they're all corrupt. Sure. Yeah. I think in theory. I like the idea of someone in government being able to say, no, you you can't do this, right? That mm-hmm. That's a good idea. That's what the Supreme Court was supposed to be in all this. In theory, that's a wonderful thing. And yeah. as an anarchist, I would be for that if there was going to be a government at all. But I've seen this in practice. Mm-hmm. And I know that the veto power is more or less just a rubber stamp of government authority. So uh, uh, in theory, I would rather the mayor maintain that veto power because if the mayor can say no – then in theory, they're more likely to say no, and that's more likely to inhibit the government trying to do things that it wants to do. But in practice, hmm. the mayor is part of the government. He's going to authorize the government to do whatever it is they want to do, and he's not going to use that veto power for good. 
he's going to use it for his own benefits or the benefit of his crony pals. So in theory, I'm for it. But in practice, yeah. I don't care. And I'm with Mark. I think Mark makes the most uh, salient point on this. Sarah, thanks for the call uh, tonight. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, sorry to Ricky and Bobby. She's not interested, yeah. guys. But I mean, uh, like the veto power for the president, that's a good thing, right? For the president to say, no, Congress, uh, I don't If wa-. they use it, but they right. don't hardly ever use it. Right. I'm uh, saying your theory. Point. Yeah. But, and this is something that I've actually been uh, kind of, I don't know, rolling over in my mind to some extent because I like the idea of decentralization, right? The idea of let's take power out of the hands of the few and, and decentralize it to more. Um, and the proposal I think that I was considering was, well, if we could do it, which you won't be able to do it, but if we could do it, would we want to get rid of the New Hampshire Senate and become what they call a unicameral, uh, single legislative right. body? Like Nebraska. Nebraska has this, right? Uh, what is the value of the New Hampshire Senate? It's 24 people as compared to 400 in the New Hampshire House of Representatives. There's no doubt that the House of Representatives is closer to the people, meaning that each so-called representative so-called represents roughly three to uh, three thousand to thirty-five hundred people, and I don't know what you know one point four million divided by twenty-four is, but it's much larger than, yeah. than three thousand, right? Uh, so you know they're not as connected uh, to the people they supposedly serve, but at the same time, so like from that sort of fundamental premise, I would sort of support getting rid of them, but at the same time, I've seen them block some bad bills that have come out of the house. And like I was glad that they blocked those those bad bills. So, for right. instance, marijuana legalization, which would have had uh, taxes and regulations attached to it, they blocked it for the wrong reasons because they're just drug warriors, and that's the reason they blocked it. Right. But they did block it, and I'm glad that they did that. Yeah, so. I understand exactly oh. where you're from coming from. Like the New Hampshire House or something recently passed some anti-trans bill or something. I don't remember the details about it, but Sununu vetoed it. Or mm-hmm. was going to be told, I don't remember all of the specifics, as I said. And I was like, you know, you people have put me in a position here where I'm grateful Sununu. for Sununu. Yeah. And that frustrates me. But I like that the system has that potential where someone can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Because, mm-hmm. But it's like being right on accident. I would rather them be right for the right reasons. But if they're going to do the right thing, I don't really care what their reason is for doing it. Yeah, I take results every single time. My opinion on this subject is is that it doesn't matter to me whether the SWAT team wears tan, dark blue, or black when they kick my door in and run two bearcats into the house. What I care about is stopping that from happening. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter to me what happens to the New Hampshire Senate. New Hampshire happens to be the freest state in the union, not because of many of the reasons that are purported here on Free Talk Live, but largely because of one reason. And that reason is, is that it, in fact, has a tricameral house. That it is um, that with the when you count the executive council, there are three levels of bodies of legislators. Now, the, the executive council can't initiate mm. a, a legislation, but it can certainly stop most legislation, any that has a, a financial aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Mm. So this is the reason that New Hampshire is the freest state in the union is because it is so gosh darned difficult to get legislation through and to undo legislation once it has gotten through. Mm -hmm. So you have to go through the three levels and then the governor and um, that whole thing. So I say keep it. But here's what my solution is. 
and I've said it many times in the air, and I'm going to say it again because, well, somebody might be listening that could actually make a difference. The, the solution in New Hampshire is a constitutional amendment, and that constitutional amendment is, is that all laws must pass with a two-thirds majority. Now, I'm fine with it being 60% or 75% or whatever number, but you pick a number, I like 66. Two-thirds majority through both the House and the Senate and the, uh, uh, the you know, the Executive Council too. Heck, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that good politicians, presumably good people that we've all picked, all agree that this is a good law to have. Do we really want the law that squeaks through by 51% in both of these houses and then squeaks? Through through the executive council, mm-hmm. is that really the law we're looking for? Well, now we this, don't, hold but, on, but this like amendment would drive a stake through partisan politics's heart. Yeah, that's a, that's it a good would proposal. kill the Democrat Republican yickety yak that goes back and forth. And finally, our politicians would have to serve us, the people, rather than um, anything else. And then, as an addition to this, all laws that are undone ought to be undone by a simple majority. Mm-hmm. And what this mm-hmm. may do, and I'm not promising uh, this, I promise the driving the stake through the heart of the uh, partisan politics, but it may turn the legislature into a body that cleans up the law so that we don't have no marionettes uh, actors in Manchester, no uh, baseball games in Keene on a Sunday, um, mm-hmm. no adding, uh, you know, you, you can't put a, a, a wrapper into a milk carton. I mean, literally, these are all illegal things in the state of New Hampshire. And right. Well, Sorry, maybe we can change it into this is a body that undoes these things. I wish that was the case. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good proposal. I think maybe if we're going to add anything, it should be that a sunset provision to where these laws have to be, you know, reinitiated over time. I like that. Like every, in- every law should expire. Yeah. Every every legislative session I know might be a bit much. That's but a lot of work, right? Every so, 10 years. Maybe. Yeah, every 10 years at least, sure. Yeah, they'll just go and do all the laws um, at once. Uh, when they do that, they'll just say, all oh, the bodies of laws are back in play. And then, then I would say they, they make it where they have to do it individually. It individually, uh, based on when they're yeah, passed. I don't, I, I, I'm happy with murder laws being set out and just, uh, you know, being, not, hey, this they don't is work. legal. Well, what they don't work to do what? No law works to prevent any sort of act that is designed to prohibit. If someone wants, I don't to know commit, that that's true. Well, it's it's definitively true. If someone wants to commit murder, it's not the fact that it's illegal that's going to stop them. It's the fact that you know they don't, I don't have know. a sense of morality. Let me let me you rephrase don't, that. You don't have the reason you, that you people test this. Mark, I let you I mean, read. Let me ask where, the damn question. The reason that people commit murder is because their own internal sense of morality has broken down, and they're psychopaths or sociopaths, and they want to inflict harm on others. It's not because oh well, the government made it legal, so it's okay for me to kill people. No, once their internal sense of morality breaks down, the law isn't going to stop them. If it did, murder would never happen. But murder does happen, even though it's illegal. So, what good is this law doing? There are currently places in the world where you can murder people and the legal apparatus will fail to come after you. The likelihood is very high. And murders in those places tend to be more numerous. So I would say that laws against murder are effective in diminishing murders. Now, I don't think you'll ever get rid of murders. But you can certainly diminish them. Um, There are, I mean, you know, you wouldn't look to Iceland. This is a place that basically doesn't have murder and has a murder law. So I'm going to go ahead and say murder law is good. 
I mean, by that, by that exact argument, drug laws are good. Prostitution laws are good. All of these other things that prohibit things that some people find undesirable are therefore good. I don't know that drug laws, um, I don't know that drugs are, are more, are done more often in places with drug laws or less often. In fact, well, I would we can go just ahead point to that- one or two places and say, well, that's fine because you're not going to find any places where murder is like not illegal anyway. So that you, we're not going to find a good analogy. You for can't this find whether place. it's illegal, but you can find a place that doesn't have an effective uh, policing organization. Yeah, but that's very different that's because numerous. that sort of thing breeds corruption and hostility, and you know that sort of U.S. thing. U.S. police aren't particularly effective on solving murders, by the way. I mean, it's True. like fifty percent at best. Yeah, it's like fifty percent. But there are places where ninety percent of murders. My point, Mark, is that your your position that you know murder laws are good is a faith based position that has no rational evidence to support it oh i've offered some evidence no, you're right no, i don't have a place where, where there is... are no murder laws right so so you're but, speculating well, actually i can say this i can say that this uh, is where laws are badly enforced because there's a lot of corruption and bad funding and, and a lot of kim jong-un is a man who can murder whomever he wishes it's not murder when the government does it and he well he can kill whomever he wishes and he he can expect no charges every time. And he's murdered many. He's a now, psychopath. Equal, equally, the Queen of England was a person who could murder anyone mm-hmm. and killed no one. So well, I don't I know don't how that's exactly. true. There's been they, a ton of people that the police in the UK have killed. Wasn't she queen during yeah, like a ton of colonialization? She had um, she she never used her executive power. Isn't the, her executive power Isn't the world still dealing with uh, you know, her colonialization like uh, especially in southeast asia i to I, think my knowledge, I think mark is saying that she herself never ordered someone's death directly but she certainly presided over one of the most murderous governments in human history well charles manson never took anyone's life right <laughs> right she didn't well, stop the murders let's just say but if that charles manson gov- ordered the murder then charles manson's responsible if the queen of england only didn't pull the lever to stop the murders then by libertarian philosophy, you she is not ridiculous. Order if, murders? She, if she has the executive power and she doesn't stop people that are under her underlings from doing killings, she's absolutely responsible for that. Uh, there's more coming up here in moments. The number is 603-283-6160. If you want to join the show, you can do that. Uh, we'll get back to the chief thug of the SEC here in moments. talked about the uh, alien craft story and i know aria that's something that you you've mentioned that you wanted to discuss uh and that's an interesting one i have not actually looked into it but apparently there's somebody saying that the u.s military's got some downed alien craft that they've been looking at over some amount of time and maybe we'll learn more about that uh, the number here is 603-283-6160 by the way uh, i want to Give kudos, I think, to Tucker Carlson for striking out on his own after Fox News fired him. After Other than the transphobic part, it was pretty good. Yeah, uh, this 10-minute video, which I have not quite completed, but I've gone through about eight minutes of it, came out three hours ago. And 
it was before the last half hour of the show. So at the beginning of nine o'clock, I told you, Aria, that it had sixteen something million views. Now that doesn't that's mean, unreal for that a number do- of views, though. That doesn't mean they watched the whole thing, right? Yeah, that just, but it that's just matter. the number of people who saw this scroll by on their feed, right? Um, oh, is that what that means? That's I'm looking at the. Yeah, I think that's what it means. It counts on autoplay as a view? Because the video okay. doesn't show, like, you know, sometimes on Twitter, it'll show you the number of actual plays the video has. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the view count on the tweet itself. Okay. The video but still, itself, 16 million is phenomenal. Yeah. It's now 19.7, a half an hour later. Yep. So, uh, I mean, the, cable news, as we've been reporting for the last several years, has been on a decline. Cable itself is is on a decline. People are doing what they call cord cutting and have and been radio two, and, and broadcast television. Sure. And newspapers, especially. Well, they uh, couldn't have done anything to make Tucker, Tucker Carlson more successful than fire him and allow him to strike off in his own and right. come off to America as the voice of reason standing against the, the media leviathan, right? Right, and essentially they did him a favor. doing it without having to get into another contract with yes. anyone, supposedly. So now he can say, look, I'm free to say whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to me on Twitter. Yep, and give and, me that money directly. And he's talking about this dam uh, destruction that I I hadn't really even known anything about. Um, I just kind of heard rumblings about some dam getting blown up, and was it Ukraine or was it Russia? Yet another one of these controversies. And so he kind of makes some points about that, suggesting the that last it, time there was a controversy like this, it was the United States. Yeah, the yeah. suggestion this time is that it was actually Ukraine uh, who did it. But anyway, that's one of the things he covers, and uh, and then also this alien craft. Story. So good. Good for him for for getting out from under the big media thumb. I, again, he's not a libertarian per se, but he does have. He's always had people on his show that have been contrary to the the standard popular opinion. Whether it be Jimmy Dore, who's the uh, the socialist guy that turned or that was against uh, the COVID mandates and uh, and such. He's a comedian. He's actually pretty funny. And and or other people. So good for him. Let's go to the phones here. I got Major Payne on the line in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, the dam you're referring to is a uh, evidently one of the biggest rivers up there, and it's the border between the two of them. You got the Ukrainian army on one side and the Russian army on the other. Okay. Now the dam itself was a hydroelectric plant, <clears throat> so one would have to say, why would they blow up their own hydroelectric plant? And upriver, there is a nuclear plant, nuclear power plant. And uh, just to clarify, these are this is a Russian controlled plant this is a russian uh area where this uh this attack went on well i don't know about that but i'm i'm talking about the ukrainian power plants it was the ukrainian power plant on that dam and they were russian. Sure. No, it's in a russian it's under russian uh, control as i understand it well okay Ukraine so, under russian control well the russians consider it to be russia before the war started or was this? Are you talking about before, before the war? It would have been in Ukraine. Now, if you believe the Russians, the people of this area voted to join Russia. They voted to secede from Ukraine and join Russia. Ukraine, of course, in the Western media and the United States government, said that was an illegal uh, election or an illegal. Well, vote. of course, yeah, we, we got to believe Russia. They've never hijacked an election. But, I don't know uh, who to believe, but I know I don't I, believe the American media. That's I don't believe sure. any of them. Yeah. yeah, and you know that's a that's a beautiful place to be in, where I don't have to choose one of these people to believe. Mm-hmm. I can say I don't I don't have any reason to trust either one of you, and I don't have a dog in this fight in the first place. 
So I'm not going, I'm not even going to put my neck out there and saying that the Russians are right or the Ukrainians are right. They're all evil. They're all liars. And I see no reason to believe any of them about they're, anything. They're both pointing their fingers at one another. According to RT.com, their story is Moscow is claiming the facility was damaged by a Ukrainian strike and Kiev is placing the blame on Russia. So, of course, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. he did it. He did it. She did it. Whatever. Well, same old story. Same old story. Yeah. But exactly. as far as the, the Sarah thing you had going on earlier. You guys really could have confused her if you just told her Ricky Bobby wanted to date her. She just thought it was Will Ferrell and gone nuts. He could have rode the bus up wearing his elf suit and whatnot. It would have been hilarious. Uh, she's never seen um, Talladega Nights. Yeah, I don't think she's particularly culturally aware. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but... That is a good well, movie, though. I've never elf. seen it. They I wouldn't show, have gotten the reference. They show Elf every Christmas. Yeah. Right? Ricky Bobby, race car movie, they've shown that for what, 30 years now? I mean, the guy's almost famous. He's got the ugliest body in Hollywood. <laughs> he is ugly. There's no doubt about that. Uh, thank you, okay, Major, for the call tonight. Huh? On Joe Biden. What now? Who's that? On Joe Biden. All right, give us a quickie. Um, okay, so at the he was doing the commencement speech at Annapolis, and after handing out the last diploma, he purportedly slipped over a sandbag, which they wouldn't have had a sandbag on the stage with Joe Biden. But anyway, he did a face plant, and they got him up. And you sh- I-, I was listening yeah, to I the applause, that. and they handed out the last diploma. The applause was pretty good. But when Joe Biden hit his face, you should have heard the hoots and howls, and just the momentum went up tenfold. <laughs> That's horrible. Their fearless leader flat on his face. It was. I, I wish I could have been there. Wow. All right. Hey, thanks for the call tonight, Major. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's sad what they're doing to this senile old man. Yeah, but I. I mean, it's hard to be too sad about Joe trading Biden. him around. Yeah. I mean, I. I. If it were, if it were like any other senile old man who weren't a like war criminal and a murderer. Okay, then, that's tr- that's you true. You know, I would see where you were coming from, but Joe Biden is an arch drug warrior from his younger days. He is a scumbag extraordinaire, and he deserves everything that uh, that comes to him. Because it's also pretty clear that if they would have um, like, you know, let's presume for a second that Joe Biden isn't really uh, sentient. I don't and I don't know that I believe that at all. (laughs) But if he wasn't sentient, if you had asked him back when he was sentient, hey, if you kind of lose your mind, can we make you president (laughs) and do all kinds of democratic policies in your Mm. name? And, uh, you know, whatever. He just said yes. I mean, fair. Yeah. Good point. Uh, do you want to talk about Gary Gensler, or do you want to do the alien story? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. Right, well, I can we, do either. We said we were going to do the Gensler thing, so let's see if we can get that one yep, out there. It's not, very, it's not very detailed. It's just what he has to say. This is the chairman of the SEC. Uh, I mean, which, he's saying the quiet part out loud here, right? Yeah. Like, he's not supposed to be like, guys, screw all these cryptocurrencies. All you need is the dollar. Like, that's supposed to secretly motivate him, like we've been pointing out for the last year and a half. Right. He's supposed to be (laughs) saying the things that he usually says, which is like, hey, you guys can exist. Just come in and talk to us, which is what he's been saying. But now... The U.S. doesn't need any more digital currency, said the said Gary Gensler, as we pointed out. As his agency sues Binance and Coinbase for operating unregistered securities exchanges. In an interview with CNBC... Uh, today, Gensler denied claims his approach was muddying the legal position around crypto. He has said this before <laughs> and also suggested that there were parallels between his case against Binance and the criminal case against FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried or Freed, whatever. 
We don't need more digital currency. We already have digital currency. It's called the U.S. dollar, Gensler said. We have not seen over the centuries that economy, economies and the public need more than one way to move value. <laughs> so he, he's, We don't need choices. All you people advocating for options in the market of money. You're crazy. And he wants the one way that the public has to move value to be the government's currency. Like, he could yep. not be laying bare their plans, their goals, their evil intentions, more. Right. My proposition, I think similar to Free Talk Lives, would be that the SEC, the United States government, the FBI, and you you just rattle off the uh, alphabet soup agency out there, are all basically just tools of a banking elite that proposes to run the world and extract as much and in, in the process of doing that, extract as much value as possible. Yep. And this guy has basically said, I am a stooge for these people and I will do what it takes to make sure that my bosses, my betters, my superiors yep. are taken care of. Yep. That was exactly it. He will seek to prove that the thousands of tokens tradable on two of the biggest crypto venues resemble investment contracts that should have been registered with his agency rather than mere means of payment. So he's also Which suggesting the United these- States people are unable to make a decision for themselves to buy and sell cryptocurrency. They are too ignorant and should not be able to do this. All we have to show is that one of them is a security and they should be properly registered, he said. And that's, you know, they they do have thousands of cryptocurrencies and whatever on Coinbase and Binance. And for them to, for the SEC to win this case, they only have to be able to show that one of those things Mm -hmm. qualifies as a security. Because if they're selling even one security without being registered, then they're running afoul of, you know, the the SEC's regulations. But that's where the issue really is. And that's one of the points that Coinbase is making. And again, not a fan of Coinbase. They're the devil, but they're fighting the devil here. So it's like you have to you don't have to pick a side. But like if the devil's going to fight the devil, I, I want the one that's least evil to mm-hmm. win. And that would happen to be Coinbase in this particular example. And they pointed out that the SEC has not provided clarity or regulation. So this is interesting, Aria. Now, in the last, uh, I think it was earlier in this segment, might have been the last segment, you said that it's an enviable position for you to be in regarding Russia and the U- and Ukraine to not have to pick a side. And no, here you I said say, I don't have to pick which side was telling the truth. Okay, I, I can well, pick. All I would, I'm saying look, is I would that also pick. You just said no, 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 Mark. Let me explain. Like I would also pick. Least... No, Mark. I would also pick Ukraine to win the war. Because that, this is a war where Russia invaded, It's it, as far as I can tell. If I had to pick a side to win, I would still say, well, I would prefer Ukraine yeah, to but, win over but Russia. Russia invaded purportedly because Ukraine sure. was bombing the people of the Donbass region, and they invaded purportedly to protect those people and I don't deny from that. being attacked. So, I mean, that is not a per se an invasion if it was indeed done for those reasons. Right, but there's also the fact that I think in the grand scheme of things, and I know Mark agrees with this, and I don't know how true it really is but i would say that the u.s government is a little bit less evil than the chinese government and if i had to pick one of these two entities to live under i would pick the u.s government in the same way with ukraine and russia i would say that ukrainian government's probably a little bit less evil than the russian government if i had to pick one to live under again i would probably choose the ukrainian government 
And that's all I mean when I say between Coinbase and the government, I would rather Coinbase win this fight. Well, yes, because they're a little bit less evil than the U.S. government. But well, how, I, I how less evil? I don't know. Part. I agree that Coinbase is the one that I would pick in this. I don't know that I can pick a side between Russia and Ukraine because I just don't have enough information. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say that, you know, if I was told, Mark, you must pick right now between these two guys that are fighting. It's Stalin well, that's and pretty Hitler. much what you just threw pick at me. Side. I understand that. And I'm just pointing out that you can't always know. Yeah, sure. But Gensler goes on to say there's been clarity for years about the nature of securities laws, (laughs) brushing off concerns that crypto firms have been left facing uncertain enforcement. These intermediaries need to come into compliance, but they won't say what and they know they won't say what the compliance requires because they've specifically said that they won't say that because if they do, people will know how to get around compliance. Look, we'll know it when we see it. Yeah, it's completely crazy that he's like, you know, you need to come into compliance, but we won't tell you that because if we do, we'll tell you how to stay out of compliance. Where's your story from? This is Coindesk. Uh, the one over at blockworks.co has the full quote that uh, I think Coindesk truncated. The one about, quote, look, we don't need more digital currency. Oh, yeah. We already have digital currency. It's called the U.S. dollar. And then he continues. He says, it's called the euro. It's called the yen. They're all digital right now. We already have digital investments, he said. Wow. He's right. I, mean, I want yeah, to point out digital. that these are not investments. Okay, These are currencies. They are foreign currencies, all manipulated by central banks, the yen, the euro, the, you know, you fill in whatever central bank currency there. These are all being printed. All of them are being inflated. So... Whether the U.S. dollar is quote-unquote stronger than the euro or the euro is stronger than the pound or whatever it is, right? These are just inflated currencies that are trading against one another, and they're all being inflated. So really the question is, which ones are being inflated worse than the others, and what's the market going to do with that? Trading those things, that's just day trading, okay? That's not the same thing as an investment into, say, a company where the value of that company could go up or down over time, right? This is just, you're just playing, you're gambling, right? Like if you're you're buying dollars and then buying euros with those and then turning them around to buy yen, that's just straight up gambling. Yep. Uh, it's It's not an investment. Mark, I thought of another way to explain it too. My statement about Russia and Ukraine and not knowing who was telling the truth, that's basically me saying, I don't have to pick between these two things. Well, then when I said that about Coinbase or in the American government, I said, well, if I did have to pick. So I'm basically, that was the difference. And one of this, I said, I don't have to pick, but if I did have to pick, I would choose Coinbase. That was the difference. So there wasn't really a disparity between them. It was just different scenarios. So they're going to, I, I scrolled up a lot because that, that quote really lays bare, again, everything. He lays out a bunch of digital currencies, and he's right. The euro, the USD, the the yen, these are all largely digital currencies now they're also all government currencies mm-hmm. so so why does he think we do need some competition where we need the yen and the euro and the usd or whatever but we don't need alternatives like bitcoin or bitcoin cash or well, we Dash. know why because they they being the central banks of the world and their buddies aren't in control of those that's exactly it right. well let's not also forget that he didn't mention in that list that i heard just now any of the opposing side right like you could buy yuan or rubles or any variety of uh, currencies that he doesn't doesn't 
particularly like. He mentions yen and euros and dollars because mm-hmm. those are good guys. Excellent point. He goes on. There's I mean, par- ladies and gentlemen, it could very well come to a point where if you bought rubles in in a quantity that he decided was enough to um, you know, be playing the market and you picking Russia to win that you are now a bad American and you are doing an illegal security exchange or mm. something. That's a really good could point be. as well. And, you know, I, I don't know. Buying some rubles may not be the worst thing someone could do with their money right now. He goes on. However, there's parallels here to the FTX fraud manipulation that we saw against Sam Bankman Freed or Fried. I still don't know which one it's supposed to be. Except Bankman ended up with criminal charges and is facing years in prison, whereas the other companies are just facing civil lawsuits. He's also assuming um, his guilt. And that, to me, seems a bit screwed up. You're a government employee. I know, but he's a government employee. He's supposed to assume people are innocent until they're proven guilty. <laughs> That's not what the prosecution does. <laughs> no, I, and look, I, <laughs> I, I get it. In the stupid little system they play, the prosecutors have to play devil's advocate. That That's just the role they have to play. It's mm-hmm. evil, and I think they should probably have the, the sense of morality to not play yeah, it. for sure. But I, I'm willing to acquiesce that, right? Like That's the role I, that they've chosen to play, whether they want to or not. Someone's got to be that bad guy. I can't remember, but it seems like um, it was Barack Obama who said basically that uh, Dread Pirate Roberts, uh, you know, was guilty. This and, is the founder of the Silk Road, the underground drug marketplace. And, and Ian, you'll probably probably need to help me out on this one because I just don't remember exactly. But it seems like this was the case. It certainly was Barack Obama. And he certainly came out and said that somebody was guilty in some trial that was going on. And I was just shocked that, you know, the president would be so, you know, breathtakingly, um, you know, short-sighted as to say, well, this person's guilty before the trial has ended when it sounds very much like the chief executive making this declaration is essentially ordering his minions to in the government to find somebody guilty. Well, I mean, his minions are the Justice Department, and they're the ones bringing the case. I mean, it's not a surprise at all that their boss would right, say they're doing the right thing. Right, but they've set up all of this mythology that they have to. There, there's a lot of pretense in the American mm-hmm. system where the the president pretends to care about justice and all this other stuff. All you have to do is just pay attention to know that that's all pretense and it means right. nothing. But to maybe the it was person, Assange. Maybe it was Snowden. Maybe it was somebody else. But uh, it was certainly Barack Obama. The average person is supposed to be shocked when the president says, you know, oh, uh, a government is just an organization with a monopoly on the use of force in a given area. (laughs) No doubt. But the average person never heard him say it. Libertarians are like, wow, yeah, he's right. Mm -hmm. That's what we've been telling you. But the average person is like, that's not what the – how could the president say that? He didn't mean that. Right. (laughs) Just like the the average person is supposed to – oh, no, the president – Barack Obama was supposed to say, well, he's innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. I don't know. I'd be curious to see what the average person's response to that was. I mean, if you did a man on the street and you played that clip, I suspect a lot of people would be like, huh? Yeah, they wouldn't understand it. What does that mean? (laughs) Monopoly on force. Hey, is that a McDonald's over there? Yeah. And they walk away. And that's you know? sad. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get much out of the average person on this. He goes on. You well, see, I did it in a group of Quakers, uh-huh. and they tried to explain it away a hundred different ways. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, 
I see. You want to listen to the two minute version with context. No okay. problem. Right. So I pulled that baby up and then mm. they're like, and then it obviously meant that the thing that separates nation states from other organizational models is the monopoly on violence, right? Like this is by definition, there are groups and then there's one particular type of group, a nation state, which has a monopoly on violence. That's right. And within a ge- geographic area and trying to explain that away doesn't make your vote legitimate or good or just or anything like that. And, you know, in the case of Quakers, they eschew force and violence. So they didn't know what to do with it. And they just had to sort of justify their own actions. Yeah, that, that's the place a lot of people end up in, you know, cognitive dissonance where they know that they've committed some act of aggression or whatsoever by, by voting for Barack Obama or whatever. And that's a difficult one to face and they're not prepared for it. So they just choose not to think about it. That's cognitive dissonance for you, for sure. Now, these people in your Quaker meeting are not average people. These are people who are usually politically opinionated, right? Like these are in many cases leftists. Am I correct about that? Quakers often are leftists. This wasn't my meeting in Keene. Mm-hmm. So Gensler goes on. You see platform after platform where the entrepreneurs behind the platforms also are trying to build wealth for themselves and their <gasps> investors. Oh, you can't do that without our permission. Yeah, and that's not, I mean, that's the point of these governments, trading against the customers or even as it relates to dealing against their customers. What he say, he's accusing them of is using customer funds to invest and buy cryptos or whatever. I don't know exactly what he, he's being slimy, but he's saying mm-hmm. they're they're misusing customer funds. And like, no, when I I don't do this anymore, but when I gave money to Coinbase or whatever to buy cryptocurrency, I knew that when they had that cryptocurrency in their wallets, they were going to use it for their benefit. That's just how the game is played. That's what they do. That's why they exist. Gensler noted that the crypto industry needed to improve its compliance and disclosure if it's going to have any success going forward. But he doesn't want it no, to go forward. No, he doesn't. And he makes that clear by saying, well, we, we don't need all these competitors to yeah, the U.S. I think dollar. it's a really revealing statement. I mean, like you said, he's saying the quiet part out loud. This is what they actually believe. That's why they're doing what they're doing, because they want to stop the alternatives. They want to stop you from being able to access these things. Yeah, that, that's all there is to all it. Right. And, you know, once they do that, the decentralized exchanges won't do you any good. If if you don't have a way to turn the currency of the realm into something better, then you, you you have to be able to get into the cryptocurrency world to play in the cryptocurrency world. And they're trying to control all of the gateways into right. the cryptocurrency world. They can't ever stop people from paying others in cryptocurrency. So there will always be ways to acquire it, but they're going to make it harder. They yeah. want to make it harder for the average person to uh, to get in. And I think they've already accomplished that. Everything they've done from going after local Bitcoins mm-hmm. to going after the Crypto6 to going after the Binance and Coinbase... All of that has a singular goal in mind of controlling the gateways to cryptocurrency and yeah, making and it so people. that you can't get it easily. And they want to scare people, too. It's like, well, do you really want to get something if the government's going to target you for it? Yeah, true. I mean, we know they're not targeting the average user, but, they but, don't what, is, but what does the person think about it, right? Yeah. Like, how scared are people going to be when they see all these people getting arrested and all this negativity? Um, out of time for tonight. I hope that within the next couple of days we'll get to talk about this UFO thing because it looks pretty interesting. It's compelling. Yeah. Uh, apparently there's a whistleblower, Air Force veteran, former intelligence officer, claiming the U.S. government has been collecting intact extraterrestrial craft for decades as part of a UFO retrieval program. 
So maybe tomorrow night or the next night, um, definitely an interesting story. We're out of time tonight. We'll see you online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.